Boots and Backstraps, brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Come on now. On his own, looking for backstraps way deep in the woods, tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps. Hey, everybody, this is a show where we talk all things hunting country music from the classics through today from big bucks to bull elk we've got it all ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of boots and backstraps i'm your host shane michael and i'm joined in studio by my ever so talented and probably a little fatigued after last weekend co-host tom cat good to see you shane and actually i feel great yeah yeah um all recuperated yeah yeah the we fest was long and uh arguous but uh we we cut out of there a little early for the first time in all these years. We left uh, Sunday night, or Saturday night, rather, right after the show, right before Blake Sheldon. Because you've never seen him before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> it was nice to get home a little early, and uh, we recuperated, and Lynn and I, uh, we've been swimming twice a week, and we really have got our health doing well and our stamina built up again. There was a stretch there where it wasn't doing so good. But uh, all is well. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I uh, am a little on the tired side today because I was playing golf, as you were. <laughs> I played 18. And uh, when you play with kids, your orders, always a few adult beverages in the round, and that tends to take the energy right out of you. Yeah. I've had a beer or two on the golf course. Never helps my game. They say sometimes <laughs> it does. It's supposed to relax you and right. all that crap. Right. <laughs> but... Uh, I had a fun day. Uh, I haven't golfed in like two months, and I got about four pars out of nine holes, so I'm happy. That's great. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I, uh, I will tell the the listeners now, listeners and viewers, that you gave a little subtle hint there, and that this episode we do not have a guest with us. That's right. It's you just and you and I. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. A couple good old boys, <laughs> and uh, and our first half is going to be all about sort of a recap of the Wee Fest, right? Yeah, you know, I, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, it's been six or seven years since I've been at the WeFest. Right. As everyone probably knows, we sold the WeFest right. six or seven years ago. You know, I really don't know. I should For a healthy that. profit. <clears throat> well, that profit didn't go to me. It went to a gentleman by the name of Randall Crandall Levy. <laughs> uh, an old roommate of mine. It's a mouthful. <laughs> And, yeah, and we bought it back. I, and when I say we, I don't mean myself, but our people bought it back for a fraction of that. Right. And uh, so you and I went up there, and we co-hosted with uh, Kelly Pickler. And yes. We had a lot of fun. It was so good to see so many old friends. And, you know, I got out on stage, uh, especially the main stage, and I, you know, I went to introduce myself, and I said, you know, I haven't been here <clears throat> in six or seven years. And I'm wondering if there's anyone out there that knows me, because a lot can happen, a lot can change. Yeah. And fortunately, a lot of people hooted and hollered and waved. And, yes. And that was kind of nice to know. And Well, we're going to get to that, TK, and we're going to dig into all the yeah. uh, 
ins and outs of the week for you because you guys were up there. You and, and your beautiful wife, Lynn, were up there all week. Yep. I was just up there a couple days because I had to come back on a quick turnaround for a friend's wedding. Yeah, forgive me. I think I got There's my wifey. There this is. is from the reunion. Yeah, that's at the uh, Hog's Breath and the Rowdy Cowboy Show reunion. What a party that was. We can talk about that, too, by the way. Yeah, absolutely we should. A little recap. Uh, forgive me. I got a little ahead of us. We got to talk about this bourbon that you brought in tonight. Yeah, this one's not actually a bourbon. This is just a whiskey. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, and uh, so I, what I wanted to do is I, I've gotten some grief, TK, from friends of ours that are rodeo guys about the fact that we've done this uh, Whiskey of the Week segment now yep. a bunch of times, and we have not <laughs> talked about Pendleton. And, you know, the, maybe the main reason we haven't talked about Pendleton, just to kind of give myself a little bit of a reprieve here, is because it's not bourbon. It's not a bourbon, right. It's a Canadian product, um, but it's been sort of like adopted via the U.S. adoption agency <laughs> into the U.S. because this is, in fact, uh, the most popular whiskey in the upper western hemisphere. It's big on the rodeo circuit. It sure is. It's actually got the nickname of Rodeo Whiskey. And that was uh, via Pendleton, who started a uh, rodeo um, in Oregon that was called the Pendleton Roundup. Okay. And so that's kind of where it got started, where it really kind of cut its teeth, as you could say. And all the cowboys were drinking it, and a lot of cowgirls were drinking it. And the reason for that is because the proof on this is real low. It's 80 proof. Oh. And so there's virtually Refreshing. yeah, there's virtually <laughs> no burn on the, on the front or the finish. Um, and, uh, and it has a lot of, um, I, w- I wouldn't, you know, some of the whiskeys that we've been getting into have vanilla notes and caramel notes and things like that in the bourbons. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't have vanilla or caramel. It's got a lot more fruit in it. Okay. I'll and, be, uh, I've had it before, but I really couldn't tell you. Uh, my memory doesn't serve me uh, as to what it tastes like. And, yeah. Um, I guess other than Windsor. Crown. Yeah, Crown's also Canadian. I, I like Crown, and I used to drink uh, Seagram 7. Oh, Seagram's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know how your tastes change as you yes. get older. Yes, yep, uh, evolve, yep. I, uh, I really can't. Uh, and I know I'm going to offend a lot of people like my accountant, but. I don't like Windsor at all. <laughs> I was about to, to beat you to the punch there to say, if you are drinking Windsor, please, for the love of all that is holy, stop. <laughs> <laughs> if you're drinking Windsor, I think you're just doing it to get a buzz. <laughs> right. You're doing it wrong, as, as they say in the, uh, in the alcohol industry. It's, it's one of those, uh, the funniest sort of like anecdote that I like to use is when you are a college-age kid or maybe a little before college, and you're starting to kind of experiment with alcohol, and you try your first vodka, it's always Kharkov, right? Yeah. Because it comes like in a half-gallon plastic jug for about 7 bucks. <laughs> but then as you get older, you realize that is just crap vodka. It's terrible. It gives you a terrible hangover because the way it's um, distilled and refined, it's, I mean, to even say it's refined is probably giving it a lot of credit. <laughs> it's, a, it's terrible. So I would put Seagram's and... Um, Windsor in that same breath and that those are just bottom of the basement. Those that buy that are really just looking for the cheapest product they can buy. They're not clearly caring all that much about the taste or the flavors or those I kinds of things. I can just see about a thousand people right now. You're full of crap. I love that stuff and they don't care. And I think You know uh, what the test is, TK? What's that? You ask any one of those guys, whether it's Seagram's or it's Windsor or it's Kharkov, and you ask them, would you drink it straight? 
every single one of them without even hesitation will say no way <laughs> they're thro- throwing that on a diet or they're throwing it on you know some other soda and yeah. uh and then it's easier to drink that way versus the other stuff that we've been having in the in the podcast right well, those are premiums you well, can drink that stuff straight is that already open it's not open but we can open it now so yeah so anyway so pendleton um, also known as TK uh, eloquently pointed out is known as rodeo whiskey. It's an 80 proof bottle. It is very easy on the drinking. It's quite tasty actually for, for anybody that's, uh, that's, is interested in whiskeys. Um, uh, and this one is not a bourbon just to be clear, because this is a Canadian product though. It is this particular bottle and most bottles now are manufactured in Oregon. They have, oh. a, they have a plant there where they're making Pendleton because it's gotten so popular in the in the upper mid not, I keep saying Midwest but upper western part of the U.S. Um, is very popular up there and so in Oregon's where this one in particular was made. So I'm curious if they've been able to uh, get this stuff over the border. There's been some problems getting a lot of product out of Canada and us shipping product to Canada mm-hmm. because of COVID. So. It seems to me I had this conversation with somebody in the business, and I, I really don't recall if they said it was an issue getting it out of Canada or not. You know, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't seen much of a shortage for Pendleton locally. I know it wasn't an issue during Prohibition, especially, <laughs> especially in the Detroit area, right across the bridge. Oh, nice pop on the cork there. Give that a sniff, sir. Hmm. That's nice, it's, right? It smells uh, real sweet. It is very sweet by comparison. Like I said, very little burn on the front or the back, the finish of this. So it's going to be real nice. And then, of course, we'll invite our ladies, Danny and Nicole, to join us in this one. And Lenny, she's doing homework. Lynn's doing homework, being the good teacher's teacher that she is. She's great. So a uh, toast Clank. to you, sir. What a great year. Well, it's getting to be a great year. Isn't that smooth? Caramel. No, I get fruit. I get caramel. It's very fruity, very sweet. It's very sweet. It's smooth. It's smooth. Very smooth. All right. Uh, all right. I need to try this. Yeah, come on out. Okay. Bring your glass. We will uh, take care of you. So we, we, we'll... TK, I think we should probably should start with recapping the reunion show. Yeah. And then definitely recapping WeFest. I feel like we've got a lot to say about WeFest. And then maybe in the that back half of the episode, I'm super excited to start talking about the oh. upcoming hunting seasons and maybe more importantly, antelope, because you and I already have antelope dates on the calendar. Yeah, we do. And we don't want to forget that gentleman that we went on, we went on a boat on the St. Croix River yesterday. Michael Ray. Michael Ray was extraordinary. I mean, what a songwriter and what a voice. I mean, he did a Randy Travis song. He did a lot of his own songs, but he did a Randy uh, Travis song. Did Randy. He did Garth. He did Brooks and Dunn. It was unbelievable. He sounded uh, just like Ronnie Dunn. Uh Uh-oh, we're going to do that tonight, too. Fun. Yeah, all right. The girls are getting in here. Drink some, ladies. Yeah, so um, as you said, TK, yesterday we did the K-102 Country Cruise. It used to be called the Booze Cruise, right, if I'm not mistaken? But they're calling it the Country Cruise now, so give the fans a little insight to that. Maybe when Danny gets back to the studio, she can pull up. I hope, Danny, you have some... uh... Hold on, ladies, come on out here for a quick second. 
<laughs> now that you just went all the way back to the control room, let's get a clink here. I was kind of expecting them to go in front of the camera there. <laughs> Danny and Nicole. Danny's our producer. Does an amazing job. Yeah, Nicole, Nicole production is one assistant. Of our helper, production helpers. Isn't that nice? Very skilled drinkers. <laughs> yeah, so again, the nice thing about that um, Pendleton is that being only 80 proof, you can enjoy it for a couple hours and not have to worry about, right. you know, like uh, I was looking um, at my collection a little before coming out tonight and real tempted to bring a Knob Creek with me. Ooh. So I've got a Knob Creek that's a barrel select, but that, that one's to... a 126 or 127 proof. Wow. So the, the... That used to be my flavor favorite. <laughs> the burn would be significantly different in that versus this. Yeah, and I should tell the folks, you know, I really don't drink anymore. There was a time where I used to think I invented drinking. <laughs> <laughs> What's that line you always, you always say, like, I know a lot of people. Uh... Oh, well, you know how that started. <laughs> you know, Brett Hedekin, the hockey player uh-huh. from Minnesota, won the Stanley yeah. Cup. Brett Hedekin, a few years back, lost his best friend here in uh, Minnesota. So... He's married to Christy Yamaguchi, and so between their contacts out of Hollywood and California, you know, he was the color commentator for the Sharks. Sure. Uh, he played for the Hurricanes. San Jose. Yeah, and, well, they made a lot of contacts because of their celebrity, like Ellen DeGeneres, and, I mean, the list just went on. So he did a huge benefit at the Myth, and there were so many celebrities. He had... Uh, Matchbox, uh, Rob Thomas. Play. Rob Thomas, yeah. I mean, he he's had great. Playing and all these celebrity guests were there, so I felt a little nervous because I was hosting the event. You? Yeah. You don't get nervous. Well, there was a lot of celebrities there, and I don't know. If, I was kind of nervous, <laughs> so I I thought I should introduce myself, and I said, um, "Well, my name is Tom Cat, and uh, I'm uh, the long, whatever, how many ever years host of the." nation's largest country music festival, the WeFest, and however many years it was for the Rowdy Cowboy Show and a couple of clubs that I owned. And so I went on to say, just kind of came to my mind, I said, so if there's anybody here that knows, that already knows who I am, there's a good chance you've got a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> because those are all kind of drinking affairs. Anyway, um, any of anyone that knows you would say it's not a drinking problem unless you get nothing to drink. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but now here I am, uh, x amount of years later, and I don't even drink. I mean, this is fine with me. It's not. It just doesn't agree with me anymore. If I have more than one, your days. I think your days of shots are way behind you. Oh yeah, like, that's for sure. To sit around and nurse a, a couple ounces of a nice whiskey or a nice bourbon—that's you know, yeah, a different story. Yeah, this is real tasty, and I could sip on this. For well over an hour. Yeah. Well, we got well over an hour to talk. Giddy up. I, we got I a have, lot to talk about. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel you know, like we're not going to have trouble with that. As long as we're talking about it. Here we go. There's Michael there, Ray. There it is. Right Do you remember there. his guitar player? Because he got like about 50 <laughs> shout-outs during the middle of that performance. Yeah. He, this guy is great. He looks like Zach Brown. He does. And he's just a fabulous guitar. I mean, they both these guys. Well, Michael Ray's on the far side in the blue on, jeans. Yeah, on the right-hand side. And... I'm telling you, he played a couple songs that I am familiar with. Yeah. And he played a song, I think it was for the first time, that he's never performed before. Yeah, that was uh, that track, if I'm not mistaken, TK, was called I Didn't Know I'm 
I didn't know I'm country. I didn't know I was country. I didn't know I was country. And I'm telling you, and those of you that are into country music and you're listening to our podcast, that song could very well be a number one hit in the very near future. It's going to be a monster. It's an ass-kicker song. If you get an opportunity, I didn't know I mean the words to this. The words to all of his songs were just unique and cool and great, especially this one. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'll get on a soapbox for a second and just say that I probably am I'm quite a bit more critical of singer-songwriters than the average Joe that listens to music with any regularity. Most people are pretty lenient when it comes to that song's good, that song's good, that song's good, or maybe this song isn't as good. That song right away, as soon oh. as he finished that, I was like, that one's going to be a monster. Well, as soon as he hit the lyrics, um, I, growing up, it was kind of like growing up, I didn't really know I was country. And then he goes, thank God I am. Yeah, just Both Shane and I got goosebumps because it was such a cool song. I don't know, Danny, if you could even find that song. Maybe we could hear a little bit of it. but uh, Or if you can find any of his, uh, not literature, any of his. Come on. Music, like the videos? Tell me his name one more time. Michael Ray. Michael Ray. God, what a voice. Yeah, great, great singer. He played real well on his guitar as well. What I was trying to say is any of his promotional stuff. Oh, sure. But uh, His guitar one. player's name was Jeff. <laughs> and there was this drunk guy, because we were sitting pretty close to the front. We got great tickets from our Second friend. Row. Our good buddy Jesse Shepard with Country Financial hooked us up with tickets that are basically front row. And uh, there was a guy that was two rows behind us and more toward the middle of the room. And... Uh, just kept yelling out something something about Jeff. Hey, Jeff! Way to go, Jeff. Great job, and Jeff. Michael kept saying, yeah, he pays somebody 20 bucks to do that. And then the second <laughs> time, yeah, he pays somebody 40 bucks to do that. <laughs> and then the third time, yeah, he pays somebody 60 bucks to do that. And the guy wouldn't shut. It was funny the first time. He did it like six times. Oh, at least. At least. It was obnoxious. Someone needed to slap him. Hmm. <laughs> I think that's what we said after we were like, Look, the first time, it was funny. Second time, mildly amusing. <laughs> After that, you're, you're really... Just shut up. Yeah, you're taking that joke, and you're just running Man, way too far with it. You're upstaging the performer. Yeah, it's Michael Ray's concert. And he's like, Jeff, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. But anyway, what a beautiful day it was. We were out on a boat. Gorgeous. We hung out with Muss for a little while from K102. Mike Musman. Mike Musman, the voice of the one of the voices of the Minnesota Vikings, who you're very familiar with, right? From oh, the I Wee Fest with days, Mus for years at the Wee Fest. Yeah, and before him, John Hines, who is with CCO now. I, I believe John Hines. I don't listen to radio or television hardly, hardly at all anymore. And when I do listen to radio, it's a toss between uh, the Christian Channel, KS95, and. Bob 105 and K102. Sure, absolutely. Great stations. We have great music in the Midwest. And we have great enthusiasm, which reminds me of the band Slamabama. Well, here's Michael Ray. Can you get audio there, Danny? Sleeping 
Yeah, where's that? Uh, where's that performance, Danny? Does it say in the video? I don't hear you. I Country mean, I can hear you, but I hear you. Yeah, hold on a second. Okay, Country cool. Rubble. So that one is the Nashville Palace. Okay, cool. One of the things that TK pointed out um, is his. Yeah, in the not in the middle, make maybe two thirds the way through his performance, he made an, an um, homage to uh, old school country. Yeah, and listening to his music, I was pleasantly well. He talked about staying true. He had a mentor, yes. uh, Joe Diffie. Joe who Diffie, was one of the coolest guys in the world, and fun and talented. And, and then he sang Jan- John Deere Green. Yeah, I was like, that's awesome. So he's really uh, going to bring. Real country to uh, the radio stations. Uh, he had that one song, and I can't think of the name of it. But I remember asking you, "Is that you think that's his song?" And turns out it was. And I had heard it before. It was a little more popish, but mm-hmm. man, he's got a great country voice. He didn't do that much that was poppy. No, just the one song. Yeah, most terrible. of what he did was very '80s and '90s country. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm in his, uh, I'm in his camp all the way. Way back in a past Friday night, I was just cutting up like my dad did. Thought every boy in the world put a ring on their high school girl. This is the song. We heard this one. This is it. Didn't know we were poor. Thought we had plenty of love. This is keep going. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's loading. Oh, it's loading. I see. It yeah, that's the that's the track though. Didn't know I was country. Thank God he just I am. knew life the way he grew up in a small town yep. in Central Florida. Yep. And well, he just thought everything and everybody was like that. In a musical he, family. Yeah, in a very musical family, and he didn't realize that he was country until he got older and started traveling in the United States. Oh, I grew up very country, and. Very cool and true to his roots and true to country music. Ladies and gentlemen, I think all of you are going to be a big fan of Michael Ray. It's tough for me because uh, there's no secret to anyone that knows me that I am not a fan of the 2000s, 2010s country, the version of country, all the bro country, the the popular country. It's not really my cup of tea per se, but... You know, you have to give credit where credit's due. I, I can appreciate the talent that it create that it takes to create the music. Mm-hmm. You can either sing or you can't. You can either play or you can't. So the fact that I don't necessarily agree with the melodies or agree with the lyrics is sort of beside the point. That probably it was, was kind of fun at the WeFest watching the young kids singing every lyric to every bro country song that yes. was up there. Right, and they were just as passionate about it as we are about. George Strait, you know. And <laughs> I felt like my dad. I was like, dang it, I'm in that spot. <laughs> I'm like, Urgh, kids, <laughs> whippersnappers. <laughs> Turn that garbage off. <laughs> oh, my dad. Well, my father, it's a long story, but my father was born in 1902. And growing up, listening to the Beatles, and, oh, man, he didn't like that deal at all. And uh, I can remember on his radio station, there was an instrumental version I think it was a, of a hard day's night, and he was kind of humming to it, and we're in a car, and I said, Dad, do you know that that's the Beatles? And he just about kicked my ass. <laughs> he said, that ain't the Beatles. I said, I'm yep, I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid it is. <laughs> well, TK, let's, uh, let's shift gears because we have had a lot 
in the last couple weeks. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, uh, so much so that uh, Danny G, our producer, and I need about a week's worth of just sleeping and maybe laying by a pool and drinking ourselves silly to recover. <laughs> um, all the planning and uh, right. effort that went into putting on um, the reunion show, which is where we're going to kind of start. Right. And, of course, all the efforts by those involved with the new Better Than Ever, back and Better Than Ever We Fest. Um, so yeah, let's, you know, there was a lot of planning on uh, that Rowdy Cowboy Show reunion. Mm-hmm happened really because of you and Danny and your promotion and your efforts. I mean, I I did get it out there on social media quite a bit. I mean, I put it out. I actually did it the old school way, and I don't know if this is old school, but I got on my phone and I just went through all my contacts. Shipped it to all your friends? And I got like <laughs> four or five groups of ten people, and I said, you know, put this out. I sent them a poster of the WeFest yep. that combined the Rowdy Cowboy Show. Yes, and uh, and my phone blew up. I mean, people were just, the response was amazing. So I sent it out to about 50, 60 people, and then they put it out on their social media. And <laughs> it was really fun to uh, see some of our old Rowdy Cowboy Show friends. A lot. I mean, I saw dozens of my old friends. But, you know, <laughs> you got to remember, I started that show in 79, so, how many years ago was that? Uh, that would be 43. 43 years ago. For, no, 42, 42 sorry. 40, almost 43. Well, those people are, some of them are gone. All of them certainly were married and have grandkids or married two or three times. And yeah. I can just imagine some of my old friends going, oh, man, I'm not going back to that again. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've grown out of that deal. But a lot of people did show up. Yeah, and certainly a lot of the, your following and Kid George's following. We had and, multiple generations. Yeah, we certainly did. And of it was the show. fun. Because there was so much fun. There was a following, TK, of the folks that maybe got introduced to the Rowdy Cowboy show even after I left four or five right, years right. ago. Um, when when Danny stepped in and it was Danny and Kid George, you know, exclusively. And there was sort of a new generation that came in at that point. You still had some carryover, obviously. <laughs> of the generation from when KG and I ran it. And uh, so it was cool to see the three or four generations of Rowdy Cowboy Show and its 40-plus-year history all converging into one room in one night. It was like the old days, man. That place was packed, um, and it went till... We won't say. Well, it wasn't like it was illegal. They they went till 2 o'clock. It went till past 2 o'clock. I know. (laughs) <laughs> but uh tommy duray that was just so happy and he saw so many old friends of his i've never seen tommy so happy in my life yeah was tommy in a great mood kudos to him and to eric blaze right right eric the manager there and uh so that was a fun fun night and i come to realize i think my rowdy cowboy show days are behind me <laughs> <laughs> i'm like honey let's get the hell out of here <laughs> Before I go out in the dance floor and start doing shots. <laughs> oh, you know, it was interesting. As we kept saying throughout kind of the, the two two or three weeks leading up to the event in our social media promotions, especially with my live videos, I kept telling people, look, if you have a prayer of getting a table where you can park your keister right. that night, you got to get there early because it's going to be standing room only. Right. And through talking to some folks, I got a really good vibe knowing that we were going to have a full house. Right, right. But not necessarily to the people who were like, 
well, we got to get there before 9. Because remember, TK, we started the podcast at 7. Right. And the party started at 9. So it was like, well, we'll just show up closer to 9 and we'll get a spot to sit. That most definitely was not the case. I mean, we got into that podcast right. and it was already it was full. It was packed. Right. And the podcast was fun because Shane brought in a bunch of disc jockeys that came after us, certainly after me. <laughs> and if when he sat down there, I was like, yeah, I remember when we threw you out of here. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we threw you out of here, too. I remember your like, line. Like, what did you do for, I mean, to the show? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> Shane was asking the disc jockeys, what did you bring to the show? And I'm thinking, what did you take away from the show? <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how, what an impact it had on a lot of people's lives. Obviously, we knew that. But the, all those disc jockeys that came after us and, Oh, I just thought they were just, you know, local guys that came to see our show. Yeah. And, uh, and gals. Somewhere. And yeah, gals. And gals. And they uh, uh, wound up being disc jockeys, having their own shows, moving to Canada, moving here, and doing this and doing that. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. You know, what's interesting is um, we did have some folks lined up sort of like that had worked with you before I was even in the picture. Right. And those people end up having schedule conflicts. Right, right. Some... Well, that gave St. us James. less notice than than others. Ricky did give us a, a and he fair showed amount of up notice. Five minutes after we finished, he did. He yeah. he. Now Rick owns a very successful mobile with a company. Mullet. He showed he up with a mullet. A, yeah. He'll never get rid of that mullet. Um, he, yeah, he owns a Northern Lights um, DJ company, and so he had some events he had to prepare for that day. So he was right. not able to join us in the podcast. But there were a couple of other guys that were sort of like his underlings that had kind of helped you. Right, right. That gave us little to no notice. And that's just, that's the way of the business. When you're, they say the show business, it's just, that's the way it is. Go ahead and spit it out. Get it off your shoulders. I know what you're saying. I, I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. What is that a shot of, Danny? This is uh, towards the end of the night I had taken over in the DJ booth. So this is uh, just more of the party. Oh, I got yeah, you. And that's probably closer to 2 a.m. I'm actually looking at that person in the white. Oh, yeah. She's, CJ. She's watching. Yeah. She's a people watcher. It, literally, if we had photos of the night basically from 8 p.m. until 1 a.m., it was literally nuts to butts in that bar, front to back. You know, it was I wanted just to do a, packed. I wanted to do a shout-out for Larry Brenner, who couldn't be there. Larry, yep. uh, as you may or may, folks may or may not know, he was a big-shot salesman for K102 for years. Is that a group of? That's my wife, That's, isn't it? It's Jamie K no. in the background, and <laughs> then Kay Kayla. This was like, okay, for real, I took four pictures, and three of them are different variations of <laughs> Shane taking a shot with all these women. Like, that's my hand. Yeah, this right is definitely side. you and the ladies. And um, and I just put my phone down, and I didn't take any more pictures. Well, some of them are like old school buckle. Do you remember the buckle bunnies, TK? Oh, yeah. It's our promotional girls that sold shots at, at the clubs and did kind of like client interaction. Yeah, yeah. So had some of well. those gals that showed up that had worked for us in, in years past. Again, I wanted to do a shout-out to Larry Brenner. who uh, Vino in the Valley, right? V he owns Vino in the Valley and then Vino in the Valley 2. That might not be the name of it. Uh, Vino in the Valley is uh, south of Ellsworth, Wisconsin. One of the coolest places. It's an outdoor venue. They serve Italian food and great wines. And it's an amazing place. And then he opened up another one south of there. In a town starts with an A. I'll think of it in a minute, but I don't know. It was in the '90s, I think. 
when Larry came to me and said, uh, Bob Hatton at the Burnsville Bowl wants to start doing a Rowdy Cowboy show. And I'm thinking, God, I don't know if I can do another one because I was doing that, Hog's Breath and Alligators. So we went down and we met. And I said, I'll go down there and meet with you with them. And <clears throat> I said, I can, you know, maybe get you started, but do you have a disc jockey? And Larry throws his hand and he says, yeah, I'd like to do it, which kind of took me by surprise. Had but you I ever thought, met him before? Oh, Larry, yeah, I knew him, you know, from K-102. And sure. He went on to be uh, Ron Shera's right-hand man Okay, uh, for uh, Ron Shera Productions. But Larry wanted to do it, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, he's great, good-looking, fun, <laughs> just a great guy. I said, yeah, you should be able to do this. Well, not only did he do it, he did his own version of the Rowdy Cowboy Show, which was great. You know, I worked with him for the first month, and then he took off on his own. And he did it for 10 years at the Burnsville Bowl, and wow. it was hugely successful on the Thursday night. Every Thursday night at the Burnsville Bowl was packed. And he'd walk around with that microphone, and his big deal, like we had a few things that we always did, his big deal was early in the show. He'd walk around with a microphone, and he'd have all the people in the crowd singing Hank Jr.'s Young Country. Hmm. We are young country. And he'd have people singing it, and he'd give it to the next person. And it was just so fun. I, I went, uh, He uh, asked me to fill in for him once or twice. And it was, he had a loyal following because I was getting a lot of grief from the regulars. Hey, Larry does this. Larry does that. I'm like, well, I don't know what he does, really. I just do what I do. Like, but I anyway, he I started have... this shit 25 years ago. <laughs> no, I didn't do that, but I did punch some guy's lights out. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, but anyway, Larry did such a wonderful job. And then even before Larry and, you know, one of my best friends in the whole world who was our secu- uh, security guy, uh, he handled the radios at the Wii Fest for years, and he and his brother... And I owned uh, Elgato's in River Falls, Wisconsin. Well, Greg DeVolis. A lot of people called him Greg Cat. Is it Greg or Dean? <laughs> well, Dean, and, Dean was my partner in the bar, but Greg was my, you know, we hunted together. We caroused together, and he passed away a couple of years ago. It was just something his uh, aorta blew up. and mm. Such a sad deal. So we said a little deal about Greg. So I was looking forward to seeing Greg DeVolis and Larry Brenner, and that didn't happen because of Larry, Greg being gone and Larry had a wedding he had to be in. And so it was a fun show. It was a it was fun so show. Fun to see all the old disc jockeys. And yeah, so we started with the, with the podcast. We did 90 minutes or so of just literally DJ after DJ after DJ in six-minute segments talking about their interaction and time they worked with Rowdy Cowboy Show. And not only was that cool because you get to see all these guys again and talk about the time that they shared with the show and share a few memories, that kind of thing, but cool for you, TK, to see this sort of, like, brand that you created ultimately 500 years ago and (laughs) and all these guys that have become part of it. So this Rowdy Cowboy Show family, we talk about with today's iteration of Rowdy Cowboy Show, the RCS family is like a catchphrase. In fact, there's a Facebook group that's RCS family where stuff gets posted. And it's not always necessarily directly RCS related. It's people within the RCS that have come to the RCS that are fans of the RCS that 
have a barbecue at their house or maybe they are trying to get rid of a couch or maybe they need a babysitter or whatever and they post in this family page because it really is like a family it is it's absolutely. like a movement I it is going to one of those barbecues with you once a long time ago yeah yeah it is yeah. a family it's good stuff and it, it really like I, I was thinking about it a lot um as we you know did the reunion and and I was looking at all the relationships that have come into my life because of Rowdy and because of, yeah. You know, I mean, I just came out because Travis did it and that was it. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll be here. I'm not a huge country person. But then, you know, you get going and then you realize you are a country person and then you get the boots. And I met some of my best friends there. I mean, I never would have met them had it not been from Rowdy. And, and there was, a t- I mean, there's been a ton of weddings. I mean, Shane proposed to Emily at Hogs, right? No, or is it Tav? Tav on the app. Tav. And then, I mean, like, we could list off all of the, the you know, Travis proposed to um, Crystal Doghouse. At, at Doghouse. And, like, just all these relationships that started not necessarily at the Rowdy Cowboy show, but, like, continued and blossomed in the Rowdy Cowboy. It's just, it's just, it's just cool. Well, you made, made a good point. Uh, I met my wife there. See? Uh, and Will you play Fishing well, in the Dark if you give me your number? <laughs> What's that? What? She is reminiscing in the story you told about how you asked for her number if you'd play her song. Yeah, yeah. And I played that song instantly, which I've, is something I used to like to do. But You're better than most of us. <laughs> um, what you were talking about is uh, the people and the families that were born over the hog's breath and the rowdy cowboy show. Um, I would have, you know, obviously, you know, hundreds of people that would come every week. And I got to know so many of them, and then all of a sudden, one of the guys would be gone. And you wouldn't really think about it until two years later, he'd show up, and then you'd go, oh, he's back again. And instantly I knew why he was back, because he got married, got divorced, now he's back in the game and trying to find another ex-wife. <laughs> Came out to Roddy Cowboy Show, throw a line in the water again. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it works. Yeah. It does Work. But, uh, but don't shit where you eat. That's that's you got to be careful. You that's do. Right. If you're working for the show, that's and that was always the thing for me is I, I had a, a steadfast rule that I would not mess around with uh, people that were fans of the show or whatever, with exception to I think I dated maybe two girls in the 10 years I was with the show that came out to it. I don't remember. Um, not that many. Not that many. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think it's two. But you should just say zero. Both are right. It's like it's hard to fathom how many people have come and gone, and the friendships we made, lifelong friendships, mm-hmm. the friendships that we made that aren't there anymore because the people have moved on or moved away, and it's just. And anybody in the entertainment business that's been doing it long enough will share this sentiment that, yeah, it's amazing how many people have come together because of what you were doing. And uh, I guess it is pretty cool. I never really think about it in those terms, but you're like, kinda, yeah, you're like it. Rowdy Cowboy Show Yoda. I was going to say the Don, Yoda. like the, the Don. Godfather. He is the Don. The Don. You know, Danny did a, a Facebook Live um, the week before the reunion show, and she made some very factual points in her, um, I don't want to call it a rant, but just in her speech that she had My where sermon. she talked about this is the place talking about Rowdy Cowboy Show specifically, where people can come and they can set aside their political differences, their religious differences, all of their belief differences, like all this stuff gets left at the door, or better case scenario, in their cars, 
and they just come into Rowdy Cowboy Show, and we're all one giant family just having a couple of drinks and line dancing and laughing and telling stories and whatever. You let all that other shit go, and you just hang out and have fun as a family. And not only that, but, like, leave the drama at the door, but also, like, come because you don't know what role you play in other people's lives right Right. you don't know if you're the person that says hi to the you know the person who sits in the corner you don't know so just come and just be here and and be part of it and you know what i had a couple people come up to me and say thank you because uh they they wouldn't have come otherwise and there was and the people who said it were the ones that really shocked me i'm like you weren't gonna come how could you not but it just proves the point right i reached out to a few folks um that were you know, you'd say it's sort of like first generation, your brother and I, KG and I, when we first started to say, hey, are you coming to this thing? Because it just wouldn't feel like the same thing to not have you there. Yeah. Um, Russ Meyer being one of those people. That was who I was thinking of. Yeah, I had reached out to him the week before and just said, hey, man, I, I'm sure you've seen the posts. It just would not be the same to not have you there. Are you planning on coming? And he was like, yeah, I'm planning on being there. And I was like, great, because, you know, he was there he was a fan of yours, TK, when it was you. And then when KG and I stepped in, he was, you know, part of that fan base yeah. that we had when we, we first started with the show. I was like, man, we got to have those people there. Yeah, Danny, you also touched on another topic that I really want to elaborate on because it puts a smile on my face when I think about it. There were so many people back in the late 70s, 80s, like the college Not Danny. People. No 70s for Danny. <laughs> No 80s for Danny either. I can't tell you the hundreds of times that I heard people say, well, I'm not a fan of country music. I don't like country music. I said, well, that may be true, but why don't you come to my show sometime? And whether you're a fan of country music or not, you're going to have the time of your life. Right. And they did. And I can't even fathom how many people that show brought to country music. Mm-hmm. And... I am one of them. You know, I, am one I said, of them. <laughs> well, even if you don't like country music that much, it's the biggest outdoor music event, one of the biggest in, in the nation, certainly for a long time was the biggest country. So when you've got that many people coming and having fun, you're going to have fun anyway. Yeah. And so many people came to country music because of the Rowdy Cowboy Show and because of the Wee Fest mm-hmm. that would never, I'm, and, I, and I can't even imagine what we did for the radio stations. Right. I know we're a huge influence on the success of K102. Yep. Bob it's FM a, as well. It's a shared experience, right? Yeah. Like, whether you're coming to a Rowdy Cowboy show or the Wii Fest, you're, you're all experiencing the same thing together. And it's, it's powerful. It's, yeah. it's kind of like church in its own way. The same kind of community, you know? It is. Yeah. yeah. I, and I was going to say, TK, another sort of like feather in your cap, not to keep patting you on the back. To where your head gets so big we can't fit you out the door but my head ain't gonna get big trust me <laughs> um there is a lot to be said um for the role of the mc or you know maybe more correct vernacular master of ceremonies because it takes a solid strong mc that can read the room right to direct any show, whether it's country music or otherwise. Right, right. And so that's the thing that, that changed country music in this community forever with Rowdy Cowboy Show is your presence as an MC, and then KG and I both being strong MCs. Right, right. And then Danny coming in as a strong MC and just continuing yeah. that 
tradition. That is a big issue. And, you know, as you know, I trained disc jockeys yes. for many years all over the United States. And I would tell them, you know, don't try You're not a comedian unless you think you're a comedian, unless you got a writer. Don't try and be funny if you're not funny because it just makes you look bad. Don't force it. So don't, yeah, don't force it. Don't try and be funny like a lot of morning show yeah. disc jockeys right. think they're comedians and they're not and they laugh at their own stuff. Hey, Ryan, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Bless you. So it's like, don't, you know, play good music and comment on the music until you're comfortable speaking to a crowd and then make observations and yes and then as you progress you know don't just try and force some dumb stuff on people uh but not too many especially radio disc jockeys believe it or not when they got in front of a crowd they'd freeze yes because they're sure. used to working in a room oh we've both but, known plenty of those yeah and and we're not it's a different away. animal when you're in a room by yourself all day right. talking to a microphone you guys like <laughs> that sounds terrible and people that were out there and amongst the public a lot you know they they were great at it but it takes... He's an exception to the rule, though, TK. Who? Muss. Yeah, Muss and John Hines was good. Muss, you know, he sounds great on the radio, and he cannot wait to get out in front of right, people. Right. He loves to be in front of people. And once they get comfortable with that, I guess I'm trying to say I'm not trying to take away anything from the radio disc jockeys. No. Because they have their talents and they're yes. good at it. And, right. Uh, but it's a different this, animal. You know, don't try and be funny if you're not funny. And, you know, don't, like you said, just don't force that stuff and... Um, I <laughs> can I tell you a quick story? You can. So when we KG and I were kind of at our, I don't know, do you call it the peak or the height of our era of Rowdy Cowboy Show? Uh-huh. There was a a bar in the Albertville area. Yeah, somewhere over there, Annandale, Clearwater, Albertville, somewhere over in that area. Yeah, that tried to rip off the concept. Oh yeah, where they got a couple of. "Quote unquote DJs." Oh, cool! I didn't know that. And they even hired some gals to sell shots, like to try to portray the Buckle Bunny piece. Uh-huh. And rather than contacting us and, and hiring us, they tried to do their own thing with their own people, and it <laughs> suffered a fiery crash and burning death. <laughs> I don't think they made it a month, and yeah, they killed and I that guess program. That stuff never bothered me. I know I ran into a disc jockey who was really embarrassed. In Brainerd, in the Brainerd area, who named himself Tomcat, and then I met. Him I was one hoping day. you were going to say like, bomb or like Bob Dog. Bob Dog. <laughs> yeah, Tomcat Bob Dog. And he was kind of embarrassed. Well, I I don't care. You know me. I don't really care. No. You know, someone uh, try to imitate my show or whatever. I'm like, well, if they're promoting country music, it's kind of like when Jesus said in the Bible, if they're for me, then they're not against me. Yes. You know, it's like, um, good. Get out there and have fun and good luck to you. And if you do better than I, there was two people that kind of grew up in the same era, myself and Johnny Holm. And we both. John Holm. We did both basically. He did his show live. Yep. I uh, did uh, pre programmed <clears throat> music. Mm-hmm. But we both had the concept of letting people enjoy themselves and getting them involved and having fun, let your hair down. We give you permission. You can get go nuts and do shots. And he got, he got that. And so I'm like, if it helps country music and uh, gets people into the clubs and I, it didn't bother me at all. It's what I try to tell bands. Actually, you almost have to pick a lane because when it comes to live music, you're either a cover band where you're trying to be entertaining and you're right, pushing right. drink specials and like all that stuff. Right. 
or you're an originals band. And not that an originals band can't play a few covers, because they do. Right. But it's about the getting your music out there and trying to move your musical career forward, which is obviously a very different mode than someone yep. that's just a cover band and just trying to be entertaining. Um, and so it's like you can't have it both ways. you got to pick either being a cover act or you're an originals act. And it's the same thing in the DJ world. When you're a DJ, like uh, Diesel is an example. He was our first guest at, at the yep. reunion show, and he has some residencies downtown, and he's a guy that's well-known in the DJ circle. He does a lot of, like, hip-hop and EDM. and like we all threw him out of the hog's breath, too. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, so the guy's a master of the turntables. He's great. Like, he can beat mix with his eyes right. closed and both hands tied behind his back. Um, but to come into the Rowdy Cowboy show, he was like, I love this because I feel like it's a challenge. It was a very different animal for him to be maybe working the room a little bit more rather than relying on his mixes right, right. to keep the entertaining and entertainment and the dance floor going. Right. That's, you know, he's in that mindset where he's like, I'm just because he's so good with the mixes that it would keep the dance floor rolling all night. Yep. And to come into Rowdy Cowboy show, it's like, no, we do all this shtick stuff on the microphone in addition to playing a little music for people to dance to, it was like, right. you know, he, he enjoyed that so much because of that challenge. Right, right. Well, and it's being a host, right? Yes. So it's, it's, I mean, the DJ is the host, but from a one spot, and the MC is the host that, that works the room. And that's, uh, that's what made Rowdy Cowboy Show special. Yes. You know? Speaking of hosts. Come on now. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's it? It looks like a, uh, you know, I got to say, that drink in my hand, that was... Uh, I'm going to forget the name now, but I think it was a locally distributed bourbon that was called Pike's Lake, I think. Yeah. It was Pike something. I, and I'm Pike sorry Lake. I can't help Pike's you with Lake? that, but I know there was a couple of bourbons. Oh, it was delicious. There. It was great. Um, outside, of, uh, outside of the Florida Georgia Lines bus, they had, a little, they had a little cafe set up where they're grilling food, and they have their own bourbons. They had like a whole... It's like a giant tent area with all these like little mini bars with all their uh, whiskeys in it and tables for people to sit at and smoke cigars and drink bourbon. I was like, this is cool. (laughs) Tom, what are you doing here? What's that? What are you doing? Uh, I think I'm tapping the head of my long black microphone. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's what I thought. To see if it's on. (laughs) Yeah, that was barn stage. Yeah. So we were well. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the We Fest. Yeah. So we fun. this last week was the sort of revitalization of the nation's largest outdoor country music festival, the We Fest. Yep. And we've talked extensively about the We Fest on this podcast, but this is a special year of the We Fest because well, because uh, Matt Mathune, who he and his father were landlords of ours and good friends. Own the property. The Fest and, and he was uh, on our yeah. podcast. Yep, and he was on a, one of our podcasts. And uh, they had the We Fest back, so I volunteered uh, your services and mine to... They bought it back, right? Yeah. At they, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Well, I could tell you the numbers, but I don't think I ought to. You ought not. <laughs> oh, ought not. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Shane and I went up... Uh, and we did the kickoff party, which is Wednesday night, and there were thousands of people there. Oh, you got some video here. Got audio. Thanks to Lenny. Thanks to Lenny. And uh, this is the barn stage, which is just the funnest stage. 
the funnest stage. Hunting is his guest, and it's all about hunting. Are there any sportsmen or sportswomen out there? Oh, you're well, fucked with the hunting. boots and back straps. It was a that barn stage field area out in front of the stage was packed. I know. And Insanity. It, yeah, that kickoff party is one of the funnest things you'll ever do in your life. There's bars and beer and food surrounding you. And, that and band was Tripwire. That was Tripwire, and they were fabulous. Amazing. Tripwire. I mean, we had so many good acts on that. We, some of the acts that were on that stage were on the main stage as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Danny, I, I'm hoping at some point you can pull up that WeFest information with the, not just the poster, but it actually has photos of each of the acts that were on the main stage. I kind of like to run through those because there was some amazing, amazing talent on there. Uh, and a lot of it, if not most of it, was, were the women that were there. They were unbelievable. The voices, Maddie and Tay. Now, that one is a WeFest poster along with the WeFest kickoff party. Yeah. You know, a young band was there? What's that? Yeah. Oh, kick myself. Um, Dang it. I, I was at... Uh, Andrew and Cheyenne just had to go and get married. <laughs> uh, I was that at, was a fun uh, wedding. of all places, I was at uh, Gander World yesterday, and they pulled up on the Internet not just that poster, but they actually had all those people listed underneath them. They had uh, photos of those on some website. I assume it was the WeFest and that would be a fun one to look at. But Maddie and Tay, Lynn and I actually went out in front and watched them. Oh, their harmonies, their vocals are just killer. And all these women, and I didn't watch all of the women that were on stage, but I could hear them, and I'm like, my God, there's some new talent out there yeah. that I haven't really been paying attention to um, just because I've retired and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, God, it was amazing. And, you know, one band that I kind of watched kind of closely was Lanco. Sure. Are you familiar with them? I'm not. They're unbelievable. Yeah. They're just unbelievable. Here, All right, here we go, Tom. Do you is. want to start from the bottom? And okay, this girl on the bottom right was, uh, Ke- well, that's Kelly Pickler, uh, host. But that girl next to her, she was the one on uh, The Voice, if I'm not mistaken. Aaron we all, Grand. We had Aaron Grand, too. Aaron Grand's a local gal yeah. and actually a friend of mine, so we're going to have her on the podcast. Oh, good. Uh, was she on The Voice? Not, I'm not sure. One of these recall. girls is on The Voice. And then uh, 32 Below, they've been in several different versions, probably eight times at the WeFest. And this particular version was so talented. Uh, that was their first time there. And then there's, well, there's... Slamabama. Slamabama. A group from Alabama who moved to Fargo. Because the money is better, the enthusiasm was better, they were getting more gigs, and they said, we're not even going to leave here. They were touring the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. They said, we're not even leaving here. Yeah, they moved up here from Alabama. They moved up here from Alabama, and during the harsh winters up there uh, in uh, Fargo, they do a southern tour. They do a Florida tour, so they get away for a while, but they were so good. And then Tripwire, who you mentioned. Tripwire. Amazingly talented musicians. Uh, and I hope you guys don't think we're just blowing smoke here. These people were phenomenal. Shane Martin Shane is Martin. a big name locally. Yeah, Shane Martin is always great. And then who have you got up there? Cameron Marlowe. I don't know that gentleman. You know, I didn't see Cameron Marlowe. He, he didn't play on the... Uh, 
he didn't play on uh, the barn stage, and I didn't see him on the main stage. Now, this guy. Shy Carter. Shy Carter. I'm telling you, he blew me away. He's a young black kid, and I have never seen anybody so comfortable with a microphone in his hand. He was so calm, and he had that crowd going crazy. It wasn't necessarily country music, but I think a couple of them were crossover. A little poppier. Yeah, and he, the women were just, I'm telling you, Shane, they were fainting in front of him. <laughs> the guy had him right in the palm of his hand. I've never seen anything like it. So when I closed the show, I said, I said, Shai, come back here. I said, do you know what all these people have in common that are just watching tonight? He says, no, what? I said, they're all going to say in about five years that they saw you when you just started out at the WeFest because you're going to be a huge star. And he is. Mark my words. That's great. And then what do we got there? Oh, these After guys Midtown were, Boys were on the uh, barn stage with us. Those guys were from Nashville, and the name After Midtown Everyone, anyone that lives in Nashville knows where Midtown is, and everyone goes and hangs out in Midtown. And then they always say at the end of the night, "What are we going to do after Midtown?" And so that's what they named their group. And they were extremely talented. Yeah, very talented. They had the most simplistic production setup of any band yeah. that we worked with. It was unreal. All electronic stuff. And then Ray Lynn, she was fabulous, and pregnant. <laughs> oh, how about she that? Was, I think she was eight months pregnant. She just did a killer show. And I did not see, uh, what is that, Big Valley, Rich Valley? High Valley. High Valley. If I didn't have these glasses on, I could probably read that. I did not see them. Ingrid at uh, Andrus, we did see. We were backstage talking to Kelly Pickler at the time, but we did get to hear a bunch and of her show. And we could hear her singing, and she was just belting them out. Yep, Look at amazing. all the women they have there this year. And, you know, it's great. It was all, next, all, next one up is Maddie and Shay, and their harmonies Maddie and Tay. are to die for. Maddie and Tay. What did I say? Shay. Maddie and Tay. Lindsay L. I didn't get to see her live, but she was there Friday. Yeah. We and I saw some, some uh, Ryan Pilgrim's videos for her. She was fantastic. I'm so excited, and I, and I think the world of country music is so excited that we had so many women because we always tried our very best to get a female uh, headliner mm-hmm. and then female underlings. Yeah. Go back to that, please, Danny. And it wasn't always that easy for some reason. And then we saw the Cadillac Three, who were very talented, very exciting, but just not really Shane's or my cup of tea. They kind of sound like an old. They're very like. Like an old Woodstock band. Yeah, very bluesy, very throwback rock and roll. But extremely talented. Yep, very talented. And uh, Russell Dickerson, we didn't see them. Well, we saw him perform, but we weren't on the stage with him. And uh, Lanco, I could not have been more impressed. I got I to gotta find something to Lanco and listen to it. Eli, Eli Young, Young Band. Band. I'm kicking myself for not getting to see those guys. I love Eli Young Band. Danny, after you show Blake Sheldon, can you show that picture of myself between Blake Sheldon and... Uh, Trace Atkins, absolutely. Trace Atkins. And then your three headliners, TK. Shane and I had lunch with... Uh, Tyler. Tyler. And Florida Georgia Line. Him and his, his wife, wife and his, his almost two-year-old kid. son. And Dirk Bentley did a great show as usual. I remember the first time Blake, uh, Dirk Bentley came. He's standing next to me on the side of the stage, and he was restringing a guitar. And he had just come out with that big hit. Uh, what was I thinking? Yep. I said, you know, you keep coming out with songs like that. Pretty soon, you're going to have someone else stringing your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and then Blake Shaw. And you know what? Lynn and I didn't stick around, but I understand that uh, his wife. 
came out and sang with them. Gwen Stefani. So we missed that. Is that is so wild. At We Fest. That would have been something so to see. You Can know you go what? back to that picture real quick, Danny? Which one? If anybody uh, yep. was at WeFest and you're listening to our podcast, if I'm wrong, feel free to contact us and let me know that I'm wrong. I was told by the stage manager before I left that Gwen Stefani is going to come out and sing with Blake. So I took him at his word. That's why I'm saying that. But I wasn't there to see it, so I'm not 100% sure she did. But I assume she did. So the thing I was going to say about Florida Georgia Alliance specifically, because I had to leave – Friday morning to get back for my buddy Andrew and his now wife, beautiful wife uh, Cheyenne's wedding. I was a groomsman in the wedding, and the you know the there's the rehearsal and groom's dinner and stuff Friday night, so I had to get back right away. Anyway, so we had lunch with with Tyler, who's the gentleman that's on the right hand side of the Florida Georgia Line picture that's in the in the view there. Um, and it with the videos and things like that, you can always tell that Tyler is the shorter of the two. So I was like, oh, he must be. He's tall. Five nine, five ten, something like that. Tall. Tyler is crazy tall. He's got to be six one for sure, which would mean that uh, the other guy, I think his name is Eric. Is that right? Might have to look that up. Um, he might be six three, six four, something like that. Because Tyler is really not tall. short. Will you text that to Danny? Ship, ship that it. over to ship her, it. Will you? I'm going to ship it. You know, my favorite song, and I can't even tell you the name. It's kind Tyler of a, and Brian. Brian. Is it Brian Kelly? It is Brian Kelly. Okay, yeah. So Brian is clearly the taller of the two. So I always assumed that Tyler was, you know, like I said, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Danny, what's like the that. name he's, of that song? He's crazy tall. One, two, three. It's as simple as can be. That Florida It's called Simple. It's called Simple? Yep. I just listened to it earlier when I was saying that. That is my favorite song that they do. And everyone says, that's your favorite? I love that song. Yeah, so anyway, for those people that don't know, a little insider baseball, because I like to do that in this podcast, Tyler and clearly Brian are both very tall. Brian is 6'3". Yeah, because Tyler, you know, I'm I'm not exactly short. I mean, I'm scratching on six foot, and Tyler was definitely taller than I am. Oh, yeah. So I was like, wow, he, he, he's way taller than I thought he was. I remember the first time I met him, I'm looking up at both of them. <laughs> yeah, but you're like 5'6", TK, so. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about our height, and I, at one time, was 5'11 and a half. So, so I, <laughs> I love that picture. And you know this picture is taken off the Jumbotron. It so literally looks kinda, like you're standing next to two wrestlers. Is that what it looks like? I am standing. I'm doing a pirouette there. I'm standing on the very tips of my toes, and those guys are bending over. And TK is 5'10". For the record, for those people that are keeping score here. Five, ten and a half. Blake Shelton, I swear, he gets better the older he looks. And Blake's got the big mullet. This is when he first started out. And I, I should tell you what, what I said. Trace, do you mind if I take a picture with you and Blake? Because they're both out there. And he said, hell yeah. And so he, he stands there and he says, hey, Blake, get your ass over here before I come over there and knock your block off. <laughs> That's so funny. This is clearly like the um, in your mo- like the monitor board side of the stage. Yeah, yeah. S- stage left. Yeah, yeah. And great. look, at, I'm not even remotely as tall as I look in that picture because uh, you're on your tippy toes. Yeah, uh, and you're wearing a hat. And those guys are kind of hunched over. That's true. They are leaning in a little. <laughs> So anyway. All right. Okay. So let me let me dial this back just a little bit. Let's let's bring this back in, TK. Okay. So 
six, seven years ago, East, Clo- East Coast conglomerate, Town Square Media comes in and says, we want to buy the WeFest. So they buy the WeFest for yep. tens of millions of dollars. And in that time that they had it for six or seven years, they, I mean, we can say in the podcast, they ran it to the ground. They did. They went from fifty to 60,000 fans a day on average to less than 15 in 2019, which was the last time they did the festival. When we sold it to them, we had more than 60,000 people a day for five days. Yeah. When they did their last show, they had less. Come on now. They had less than 15,000 for three days. How's that? Much better. <laughs> yeah, had your logo facing off to the side there. All right, so yeah. So a significant drop. And we were talking like a well, 67%. When you and, and as we've talked about at length, and TK, I know you're super passionate about this. Um, they cut off all the local relationships with sponsors and vendors. And, right. There was no Minnesota. They ran the whole thing from New York, New Hampshire, New York. Hired national outfits to do their stuff. They had a lot. You know, they have television and radio stations, and they did other festivals. So they had big national sponsorship, Coca-Cola. Which did not help such. them with ticket sales. Chevy, yeah. So they just used that same sponsorship rather than the sponsorship that we had based out of Minnesota and North Dakota and Canada and so on and so forth. Yeah, I remember the last year I went to WeFest, which is the last year you were there, TK, Uh there was a gigantic board stage right of all these huge spots. I mean, it was probably 40 sponsors that were listed there. Yeah. And I looked for that when we were there this year, and it's gone. Oh, yeah. That thing was gone. And it'll be back again because people like Barrel of Fun and all the great, wonderful sponsors we had, they're all coming back. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm going with this, is to say that, you know, in that time that that Town Square Media owned the festival, um, they ran it to the ground because they cut off all this local relationships and local ties, local sponsorship, local staff. They cut all that off. Yep. And that just pissed everybody off. The fans stopped coming to the show well, what really pissed the fans off was the ticket prices. Yeah. The first thing they did is they doubled the prices. <laughs> and the first thing we did when we got it back is we brought the general admission tickets, early birds, down to an all-time low. Great. $85 for the whole weekend. Wow, that's amazing. So that sold a lot of tickets. That's getting out less on than stage $30 and, a day. Yeah, getting out on stage and assuring that big crowd that, hey, we have the WeFest back. It's back in Minnesota hands, Minnesota sponsors. It's about $27.80 a day. Yeah. Tell your friends, your family, your neighbors, get on social media. I'm sure I'm missing a few cents. Tell everybody that we have the WeFest back, and there will be no more ticket gouging. There will be all of your favorite people and blah, blah, blah. And they heard the message loud and clear. Yes. And we got standing ovations because of it. Yeah. So that was the, the whole deal is that when – the new con- new company, Live Nation, mm-hmm. comes in and says, Town Square Media, you guys suck ass, literally. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to buy this thing off your hands at pennies on the dollar, which ended up working out great for them. And then Matt Methune, who was on our podcast previously, is the c- con- controlling interest right. in that um, ownership of the WeFest, 51%. Live Nation is 49%. Yep. And they said, let's bring this thing back. Well, ultimately, let, let me backpedal a little because I'm getting ahead of myself, TK. Um, Matt's family has owned that, that property that the festival's held on. Since 1985. 85. Him and his father, Ray. 
Right. And his mother, Mary, yep. who I got to meet this year, courtesy of you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Ray and Mary, a couple of the nicest people you ever meet your whole life. Just down-home, salt-of-the-earth, great people. And they had a decision to make, right? They're like, the festival's not doing well when Town Square owned it. Right. So it's either we're just going to say WeFest is not a thing anymore and they'll do something else with the property, or they're going to step in, which yeah, is where Matt comes step in. step in or start farming it. Yeah, so Matt and Live Nation step in and say, we're going to buy it, and we're going to bring WeFest back to its former glory and then some. Yep. And uh, and I think we had some, some real signs of encouragement for that oh, this yeah. year. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. You know, there was a... Quite a transition to go through, so a lot of work and a little bit of miscommunications, but that's to be expected. First year back. Yeah. and uh, I mean, no. to be clear, TK, no festival last year, right? Right. No festival last year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And the one they did before that really sucked. It was less than 50. You know, when we first did the WeFest, I think we had 25,000 people. <laughs> in 1983. In 1983. <laughs> and, uh, and then in 2019, I less than 15,000. I can't imagine that space being less than 15,000 people. That's, That's basically a, like box seats in reserve, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. So it was, it was super fun. The weather, as usual, was spectacular. and uh, It was. It was great. You know what? <laughs> Hold on a second. Go ahead. Tell your story about the rain thing because that was pretty cool. About how many acts we lost to rain? No, no, no. You, you said that you always prayed for rain. We always played, well, we always played for good weather. And You were telling me when we were driving around up there how you guys as a, as a staff at WeFest would always pray for a little bit of rain. Yes. Yes, we always wanted a little bit of timely rain to settle the dust. Right. And that's not being funny. It's, it's true. A lot of dirt and, roads, a lot of gravel. Yeah, you know, it's all dirt and grass and a lot of dust and so... You know, there's a lot of equipment out there, a lot of expensive equipment. So we'd always like to see a little bit of rain, and we always would get a little rain just to settle the dust. And over the 35 years that I was involved, um, the first 35 years, I can only think of three acts we lost. I know we lost three acts, and uh, Tanya Tucker was one. Oh, ouch. Yeah, she was so much fun. Uh, we almost lost Tim McGraw, but we were going to lose uh, Montgomery Gentry. So, they, you know, they like to drink. So it was, what? Like, it was like their act wasn't going to happen. And so they just started doing They have moonshine on their bus. And a fair amount of Jim B. Our player came up. So it turned out, well, hey, we can get you in for a, a short act. You know, we can get you in for a half hour, 45 minutes. So they went out there drunk on their butts, and the guitar player Probably walked killed up to the me show, and says, though. you think they're messed up? We started drinking before they did. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they were great, though. They were, you know, when you're that drunk, you know. Hey, flip over one of them boards there in front of you, Shane. They were great. And then they went out on stage with Tim McGraw, and they were all three bending over, trying to figure out, to the crowd, trying to figure out who had the nicer butt. <laughs> it was just... Between Eddie and T-Roy? Eddie, T-Roy, and Tim McGraw. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> hey, it'd be, it probably was Tim McGraw. Yeah, I would think so, but yeah. what the hell do I know? Yeah. Anyway, um, I can't really think of uh, the other two acts that we lost to rain, but over 35 years, man, that's, a, that's an incredible record. When we first started the WeFest, we called the National Weather Service, and we asked them in the Fargo, Detroit Lakes area of Minnesota, 
what is typically the driest weekend of the year? That weekend was typically the driest. Mm-hmm. That's why we picked that weekend. And lo and behold, it turned out to be just great. Yeah, we didn't have any significant rain the whole time we were no, there. No. We had a little bit of rain, and it settled the dust, and it was good. So it was fun for me because, um, the, unbeknownst to maybe fans of, of Boots and Backstraps and maybe even some fans of Rowdy Cowboy Show, when you retired from the Wii Fest six or seven years ago, the plan was for me to be the heir apparent and to step in and take your role at Wii Fest so you could ride off into the sunset and then, of course, when it exchanged hands to the East Coast folks, that was not going to happen. They nope. hired Stormy Warren, and he stuck around for about five seconds because he realized how unorganized they yeah, were. Yeah, I think Stormy Warren only did, you know, he did a couple years with me, and then I think he only did one or two years after me, and yeah. he said, I'm out of here. Right. And He's so, a great guy, by the way. If anyone oh, listens yeah. to satellite music, Stormy Warren, I don't know what the name of his show is. Yeah, he's he's and he's a nice guy. Very nice guy. Um, and so now coming back when Matt and Live Nation purchased the fest, Matt had it set in his head he has to have Tomcat there. He says if we're going to get this thing back to where it was, and we're going to get credibility back with the fans, which is an important element to this whole thing to build that credibility back, because so many fans and I mentioned to you on social media, so many fans are burned. Yeah, by what were, happened. They were pissed. Yeah, I would hear it from like school teachers, the friends of Lynn's that would come back, went there religiously, and you know, girls like the Pink Flamingos, man, they were, I'm never going there again. And it wasn't because of me; it was because they were getting burned by the ticket prices. Yes, and they were getting the burned lack by the of camping, organization, and and it was just not the same product. It wasn't Minnesota nice. No, it was East Coast jaded. Yeah, and so with them coming in, and they said in order for us to build this confidence back with the fans, which is their focus, with Matt especially, because Matt is very about renewing that trust and respect with the fan base. He's very singularly focused about that. He, Matt, will open his checkbook and just start writing checks as much as he has to to rebuild that faith with the fan base to help them understand that, get the right people in place now and the festival is going to get back to where it was and then some um so that they can have that confidence that when they're coming up to we fest they're going to get the product they expect and part of that was having you there i think i think only because they were so familiar with my face and my voice that seeing me again we go oh man great the Wii Fest is back in the right hands, and that's what we try to portray on stage is just, hey, everybody, we have the Wii Fest back. No more East Coast bullshit. We're going to do it, and we're going to take care of you, and we're going to have a great, great show again. When we were so up when there, they see that face and hear that voice, yeah. I think it made them feel a little more comfortable. And, and, and that's, uh, that's exactly where I'm going with this is you and I worked together Wednesday and Thursday up there, and I had to come back Friday and Saturday. Yep. You were up there Friday and Saturday. But in that two days that I was with you, as we would do main stage announcements versus the barn stage announcements, it didn't matter which stage we were on. You would say, you know, and sort of sheepishly and humbly, to your credit, hey, does anyone know who I am anymore? And people would go crazy. They're like, we know who you are. You're the face of the Wii Fest for I 35 years. I seeing all these young people, you know, young boys, young girls, and I'm thinking, they don't know who the hell I am. <laughs> yes, I'm, they do. And I'm like, does anybody remember me? And thank God they did. Yeah. Because that's one of the big reasons we went up there, just to put a face back to the show. Yes. And uh, let people know that, hey, 
they're not going to get gouged anymore, and they can come back and still kick it up and have fun. Enjoy the nation's number one outdoor country music That's festival. Right. And 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 um, to kind of piggyback off of that now, we the, the new plan is back in place, correct? And so when you decide to hang it up, um, I will, again, be the heir apparent. So that's that's what we have in the works now is for me to here. Here I am making an announcement, announcing a band on the barn stage. This is Tripwire in between trip. Oh, I was before Tripwire. Um, I don't know. I see all this footage and it all blends together. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, that's what we were working on this year. So me that to is up. the plan. Uh, I, we'll have to see how it rolls. Uh, yeah. The plan with Matt and I is uh, you and I doing the we fest together mm-hmm. next year yep so that we make sure that you're comfortable with all that goes on on stage which is a lot and then uh you taking over and i can like you said right get a ride off the into sunset. the sunset <laughs> come back shane, come back, shane. <laughs> yeah and so uh whether you're a fan of riding cowboy show you're a fan of boots and backstraps just know that we are working with Matt and with the team with Live Nation to make sure that you're getting the best possible outcome at WeFest with Tomcat there now and me working with Tomcat and then, you know, potentially me in the future when Tomcat hangs it up to make sure you're getting that on stage host that's going to bring the entertaining value, that's going to bring that presence um, that you've come to expect with TK being there for the first 35 years. You got it, man. Let's uh, do a little shout-out for Kelly Pickler. She was a lot of fun. Kelly was fantastic. She's such a sweet there she gal. Is. There's my wife, Lynn, who's the most beautiful, way more beautiful than Kelly Pickler. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Beauty I, in and out. When's the best? The Bob Marley shirt. That's a throwback right there. I wish I walked up to a... What, a was, young, what did her say? What did Kelly say? It was a Chris Kyle. Thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chris Kyle. American Sniper. I walked up to a young black kid up there who was doing security, had dreadlocks, and I said to him, I used to know a guy with hair like that, and he looked at me like, what? And I pulled my shirt down and I said, I used to know a guy with hair. He goes, oh, Bob Marleyman. <laughs> <laughs> I love wearing that shirt because it just, I mean, Bob Marley was the man. I mean, he was like in Jamaica. He was a god in Jamaica. Yeah. And not to be irreverent to the one and only true God, but yep. he, uh, I love Bob Marley's music. And, uh, you know, I, when I used to spin records on a regular basis, you know, whether it was disco or rock and roll or country or oldies, I actually started a reggae night once at a club in Minneapolis and it didn't do real well. And I had just tons of reggae albums and I loved it, man. Most of it was Bob Marley, but and then uh, I just love more, I just love reggae music. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I'll tell you what, on that note, TK, we are going to take a little break. Okay. So we can uh, get the sponsors rolled in here. When we come back, we're going to do your segment with the uh, Don't You Be Peeking Now. I'm not going to peek. Don't I love that peeking. segment. That's pretty fun. TK segment with the uh, music musical artists that we've got here. Danny's picked out for us. We'll share some stories with those artists, and then we will be rolling right into the upcoming hunting seasons, and maybe more specifically antelope, since you and I have antelope on the docket. You got it, man. We'll be right back, y'all. Guys, ready to party or what? 
Not so much better. So much better. Welcome to the barn stage. If you are within earshot of my voice, get your booty on down here to the wall. This is where the good seats are. If you're out there in Norfolk with the camp area, you're about to miss the music. We're starting a great show over here for you, folks. My name is Shane Michael. I am co-hosting with one of the founders of the WeFest, Mr. Tomcat, sitting over here. Give it up for Tomcat. He was the main stage host for the first 35 years, and now he's bouncing back and forth between here with me and the main stage with Kelly Pickler. I think he's got a better deal with his co-host over there. That's a much better deal over there. We've got a great act for you guys to start with tonight. They're from just over the border in North Dakota by way of Alabama. Alabama. Make some noise for Slam Alabama! Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Make your move with the Homes by Shane team. Commitment to community and unparalleled customer service are the foundation of this REMAX Results referral-based business. Their driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. Go to homesbyshane.com. Let's get you home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Boots and Backstraps. And uh, I am still in studio here with my co-host. And uh, we just broke out of the conversation about WeFest, Tomcat. <laughs> I'm still here. You are. <laughs> Sorry. You had to have been there. You did have to be there. So we have a photo on the screen of one of the greatest guys I've known. I was there when he was born. Lane? I was there when both of them were born, Andrew Jordan and his son Lane, and that was the podcast we did at the Hogsworth, and it's such a cute picture. He just thought it was so cool. Did you, could, did you send could, that to him? Yeah. He thought it was so cool that he could hear our voices in his headset, and so he's got his hand up there. I mean, he looks like a professional. <laughs> just an outstanding young man. Andrew and Megan Jordan. Andrew and Megan and Laney. Yep, beautiful couple. Named after Lane. Frost. Yep. Thank you. Famous rodeo cowboy that died. Yep. Got stomped on at the... Uh, um, Finals? Is, no, it was Cheyenne, wasn't Cheyenne? it? Cheyenne? I think it was Cheyenne, wasn't it? Cheyenne yeah, Lynn says Cheyenne's. Yeah. We're going with that. Okay, boys, okay. Okay, boys, okay. Yeah, him and uh, Tough Hedeman, best friends. Yep. And then Tuff honored him at the uh, finals the following year when he was, um, I think he was in, actually in the last round on his last bull. And rather than jumping off at the buzzer at the eight-second traditional, yeah, buzzer yeah. goes off, you jump off, off at eight seconds, you get your score. He stayed on. He rode that thing for an extra eight or ten seconds wow. in honor of Lane. Cool. It was very cool. The rodeo life is a cool life. It is. We're drinking rodeo whiskey tonight, TK. It's, uh, it's not a life for everybody. I've known several people in the rodeo business, and but I certainly do admire those people and uh, like their lifestyle. Yeah, it's a it's a tough gig for uh, you know for the guys that are doing the over the road rodeo stuff. Yeah. You know, the, if you ride local circuit, it's a little easier because yeah. you're just riding your stuff within state or within the lo in most intimate region. You get some of those guys that ride nationwide. That's a tough deal. Much there. too young to feel this damn old. Yeah, exactly. Great song. God, my favorite Garth Brooks song. 
So, TK, we got to transition into your segment. My all oh, this segment, yes. Yeah, so what we're going to do is, uh, as we want to do, we've been switching a little bit back and forth between the country artists and letting you tell stories about the artists that are selected that week and sharing um, game recipes. And uh, this week we're not in game recipe mode. We're in artist mode. Yeah, we started this a few weeks ago, but we started doing recipes, and I don't think we've done this more than twice. Yeah, we need, we need to make sure that we're doing that with every episode. So Danny picks out, Danny's our producer, she picks out, I've got a whole library of, you can see behind us, uh, Johnny Cash and George Strait. And yeah, whoops, sorry. Some other artists. George on that side, and then Johnny, and then you got Willie right next to I've got Johnny boxes Cash. and boxes of these photos. Is, that's Tim McGraw, I think, right there, right? Yep. Who's Is that Conway Twitty? That is not. That is Glenn Campbell, man. Okay, I'm like, well, I'm looking at it through the screen here. Right, right. Glenn Rhinestone Campbell. Cowboy. He was an amazing guy. Yes, he Just was. Just the nicest man. You know, I mean, all of the music was great, but, you know, I, I kind of get a little more intimate with him. Not intimate, but, you know, I know him a little bit, and just having conversation with him, he's just like, what a great guy. And I look at Tim McGraw, and what a great guy. Johnny Cash was just a great man. Who's next to Johnny Cash? It's, it's uh, Willie. Or not, sorry, Willie. Uh, Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels, another great man. No nonsense. Nope. But a great man. George Strait, as pleasant as The king of country music. Yeah, he's the king. And next to him, is that Brooks and Dunn? Uh, yes. And, and two other great guys. Hold on now. Getting to all the photos in the background. Let's Sorry. get you into this one. <laughs> oh, so these are a surprise to me, and they want to hear my opinion about these guys. <laughs> you got to face it that way so people can see who it is. <laughs> I have to look and see what he wrote on there. I think it's something about hunting. Um, Montgomery Gentry. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick... A quick story about... It says, Tomcat, we will hunt some more. Um, Eddie Gentry and T-Roy. This is a funny story. The, you know, the Rowdy Cowboy Show, all the Minnesota gopher hockey players used to come uh, religiously every week to the Rowdy Cowboy Show on Monday night at the Hogsmeth. Well, I had a whole bunch of them up at the uh, Wee Fest one year, and they'd won the national championship. So it was uh, 2015 or 2016. And... I, uh, we had Montgomery Gentry was there, so <laughs> so we brought him on Eddie's bus, and Eddie started telling him stories, man. And, were, and he, well, Eddie, I, they shared the bus at, this, at that time, so it was Eddie and T. Roy's bus. They had little bottles of Jim Beam. And they gave all the hockey players a little bottle of their own Jim Beam, not just a little airline thing. It was about like that, like a pint. Okay, that's impressive. <laughs> so he's telling stories, and these guys are pulling on a Jim Beam, and they're athletes, man. And I mean, I know they're young, and they can handle it, but a couple of them couldn't handle it. And I'm not going to say any names. One of them made a mess out of uh, their bathroom. <laughs> Who the hell puked in our bathroom? <laughs> so he's telling a story about their buddy. Who married? Uh, uh, who's the hockey player for the Nashville Predators that married? Listen, I can't even remember her name. You're thinking of Mike Fisher? Yes. Married Kara Underwood. Mike Fisher married. So he's talking about them going out on uh, on the ice with uh, Mike Fisher, and he's that son of a bitch. He'd skate up, and if you played hockey or skated at all, you know how you could skate along some of someone else. And just kind of flick your blade out there and hit their blade, and they go ass, ass over tea kettles. Mm. 
he said, that son of a bitch would skate up alongside of us, and he'd flick his little blade out there, and he'd hit our blade, and we'd go falling. But we got that son of a bitch back. I mean, he had very colorful language. This is Eddie talking. <laughs> I was saying, that must have been Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Montgomery. We got that. One day he was out there on the ice practicing slap shots, and me and T-Roy, we snuck our shotguns in, and every time he'd take a slap shot, we'd sneak over to Boom! We'd shoot that thing right out of the air. And he had more <laughs> colorful language than that. And these guys that play hockey for a living, you know, in college, they're just peeing in their pants. They're laughing so hard because he was so animated yeah. and so colorful and telling these hockey players about him and Mike Fisher and shooting the puck out of the air. And these guys were laughing. Oh, my gosh. That so was Montgomery so Montgomery Gentry. And Eddie Mont- Montgomery is still touring, correct? Yeah, and it's still called Montgomery Gentry. He's doing the Livin' Foundation, uh, the Livin' Festival. Livin' Festival. And then there was T-Roy, and I went hunting with T-Roy a couple times, and that made national news. (laughs) (laughs) And we won't even go into that, but, you know, we had a lot of fun. God rest his soul. T-Roy and I I, uh, drank a lot of booze up there by Sandstone, Minnesota, and uh, did a little bear hunting, and... uh, and then he kind of continued after the first two years I bear hunting. He continued on his own and got in a little bit of trouble for that. But we had an awful lot of fun. And you know what? Their music's going to live forever, boy. How yes, many of the songs of theirs did we play religiously Half at, dozen? at a rowdy cowboy show? All the time. Yep. For All sure. All the time. Are you ready for your next one? I am. All right. Here we go. Oh, let's flip that over. God. What? What a beautiful woman. Faith Hill. Faith Mrs. Hill. I was say I was say Miss, uh, Mrs. Tim McGraw, but that's probably not true. He's probably Mr. Faith Hill. <laughs> well, we had her at the Wee Fest, and I have photos of uh, Faith, and she was standing on the side of the stage, and I was visiting with her, and Lynn was there, and uh, she, I think, actually warned Faith Hill about my antics. <laughs> And uh, so I'm standing, talking to her, small talk, and I said, hey, Faith, I said, what's this terrible rumor I hear about you? She looked kind of shocked, and she says, what? I said, yeah, I hear that you're dating Tim McGraw. (laughs) And she goes, I am dating him. What's wrong with that? (laughs) I said, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. You never gave me a shot at the title. (laughs) So she giggled and laughed, and uh, it was just very, very pleasant and uh I don't know. What can you say about Faith Hill? One of the most beautiful women in the world and one of the most beautiful voices in the world. She is. Uh, so when you think of women in country music, you've got a lot of different vocal abilities. Yeah. You've got a very special segment of women in country music that are known as sort of the powerhouse voices of country music. And Carrie certainly falls on that. You mentioned Carrie Underwood with yep. Mike Fisher earlier. But Faith is definitely in that conversation as well. Um, I was watching, uh, what's the big award show? The, the, the CMAs? Grammys. Or ACMAs? The Grammys. They did, a big, they did a big deal on the greatest women vocal. They had Aretha Franklin. Mm, they wow. had um, the, uh, the, another black lady that was uh, older than her. I'll say a little prayer for you. Um, sorry, I can't think. But anyway, they had, and they had slated uh, Whitney Houston to be one of those. I mean, we're talking about the greatest female singer. Amazing vocalist. That were still living. 
Hey, you know, there's a... Barbara uh, Streisand was one of them. Vegas is doing a Whitney Houston hologram show yeah, now. I heard about that. Where she comes out as a hologram and does all of her biggest hits. So Whitney Houston canceled. She was having issues at that time. So Were they Bobby Brown issues? <laughs> yeah. What a puke. <laughs> right. Destroyed one of the most beautiful voices in history. Yeah. Anyway, Faith Hill filled in for uh, Whitney Houston on that uh, Grammy show. It was pretty cool. Yeah, you get... I, I apologize for my lack of memory, but I remember the greatest women, like Aretha Franklin, Barbara Streisand, maybe even Celine Dion was on it. I think she was. She so, amazing, powerful I mean, voice. And then Faith Hill. And Faith Hill came out short notice. She was shaking. I mean, she's out there with all of her idols. Yeah. And she was so nervous, you could tell. Well, she had every bit... Um, the the right to be out yeah, there with absolutely. those with those voices because she's and you think of the the women of country music and the ones that have left their mark yep. you, you go right down the line from Patsy Cline and and Loretta Lynn and you know Dolly Parton and right you know the um, Tammy Wynette and the Judds and like you know you just you run right down the line right yep yep um, and Faith is is every bit. It, on that top of the mountain with absolutely, those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. She's incredible. I guess the only other time I saw Faith in person was she was uh, up there with Tim McGraw and he was headlining and she had her sweats on and she was on the side of the stage and Tim was desperately trying to get her to come out and sing with her and she's like, nope, I've got my sweatshirt on and I'm not coming out there. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really trying to get her to come out. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. And the fans would have loved that. Oh, my God, they'd have gone crazy. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. Those duets of theirs, those duets were amazing. Well, TK, we got to shift gears here and yeah, get let's into talk about hunting. Talk about some hunting. Talk about some game. One of my favorite meats. Yep, and you would know your very first animal you ever harvest. His second hunt of his life, he nailed a beautiful antelope with his bow, and we had antelope meat. There it is. From an undisclosed distance. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, uh, there's a lot of traditionalists that would have never shot it, but you and I practiced religiously at that distance, and uh, you hammered it right through the heart, took out both legs, and we had great antelope meat for several weeks later. Um, we're going mm. antelope hunting again out to northwestern South Dakota, yep. where there still is a segment of antelope. We won't South say exactly Dakota. where it is. We're not giving our spot away. No, but uh, it's such a cool deal. Some great rancher friends of ours, uh, Claudia, Claudia and Taylor, and Taylor, and uh, they lost their. She, Claudia lost her husband a long time ago, back when we used to hunt out there. And so, Claudia, who's my age, another undisclosed age, <laughs> uh, Claudia, who's 40 my something. age. <laughs> Her and her uh, son, who's in a wheelchair, he uh, got paralyzed. Uh, Rodeo accident. Tipped over on a four-wheeler, I think. Oh, okay. I thought it was I a bull. I thought it was a bull, but it was a four-wheeler. Okay. And he's in a, I'm telling you, you should see this kid. He's out there greasing and working on those combines you know, out of his wheelchair. Those two run that. I, I don't remember how many thousand acres they have. They wouldn't say, but it's it's – Without getting them to actually nail a number down, yeah. it's definitely north of 100,000 acres. 
So they they farm that land or ranch that land, and they've got cattle. And that's amazing. Just I mean, just to know that this elderly lady, who's as cool as any woman you'd ever meet, uh, and her son who's in a wheelchair, they manage that ranch and they don't complain a bit, and they're the salt of the earth. And she still to this day wears her President Trump hat mm-hmm. because she was in the military herself, and uh, military <laughs> veterans for Trump. You know, what one of my uh, favorite stories with UTK and them was actually this last year. We said, we, you know, we've always been very appreciative of them opening up their property to us come, to come in and hunt. But also, this last year, they let us camp there as yeah, well. Camp around our land. Turkeys all around us, and antelope and deer. And, and just the, a most amazing family. And to show some appreciation, you and I said, hey, you know, we'd like to take you into town take you out to supper for a night just to kind of say thank you right. and get get some because we would have supper with them at the house right right but we said let's take you out on us just take you into town here and have some supper and just get to talk and have a couple of drinks and just unwind a little bit and whatever and she got all gussied up oh yeah do you remember that fancy necklace she had on uh, yeah i remember what they both were wearing he got a, he got all dressed up and got his fancy was hat really on. cool was we're at this restaurant in uh in the little town that they live closest to and everybody in that restaurant came over to say hello to them yes because they all had just tremendous amount of respect for them and yes they were kind of royalty out there yes i i gotta tell you tk and i know you you'll echo my sentiment here but i am so excited to see them again me too in addition to the hunting that we get out there i'm just excited to see taylor and claudia and and share i think a few when i first took you out there it was kind of a learning experience for you and i I remember uh, being very, my first antelope uh, hunt. A very uh, specific on. It's not all about the hunt. It's all most of it to me. Certainly, I love to be out west, and whether the mountains or on the prairies, the hunting is just unbelievable. But it's getting to know those people and befriending them and making lifelong friends with them. When we first got out there, if you remember, there was a jackass that was out there that come up to their house and told her, well, I'm going to camp over there on your property. I'm going to hunt this, and I'm going to do that. And she looked at him and says, I'm sorry, you're not doing a damn thing on my property. You, must, <laughs> you might want to just go ahead and leave right now. Because he was so, as a matter of a fact about it, yeah. didn't even ask. Or anything. No. And you and I said, well, you know, they might not let us hunt here, but we're going to spend a couple hours here and visit. And I'm Which telling we did you, several folks, times. We, were there, we weren't there an hour, and we're just small talking and talking about the state of the world and how ranching is and I'm telling you, she went in the house. She baked us a whole batch of <laughs> she did. Uh, chocolate, uh, chocolate chip cookies. Cookies, gooey. <laughs> we're eating those, and then oh, the next thing you know, we were talking about dinner and this and that. And I said, well, you know, we've been here two hours now, and I never really did get to ask you, do you mind if we go over there and kind of not even buy the house and a place where I killed an antelope before? She said, you can hunt all of our property. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not like you're doing that to be nice to them so that you can get permission to hunt. It's just so that if she would have said no, I'm sorry, there's just a really uh, a, a major reason why I'm not going to let you. Yeah. <laughs> I still would have sat there and visited with her for another two hours because they're just the coolest people. They're so honest and they're so humble and all those qualities and people that you just Everything you'd want to model Yeah. as an American, right? Right. Just humble and generous and, 
so yeah. polite, kind. I can remember her husband before, uh, years ago, and he's, he let us hunt there once, but then there was another time where he said, no, I've got some other hunters coming in, but we still were as good friends, and we had other places to hunt. Yeah. Um, but I'm so looking forward to that trip, reconnecting with Tyler and Claudia. Taylor. I know I do that. Taylor and Claudia. <laughs> we have to get a commitment right now from Lynn, though, before she runs out of studio because she's got her little dog over there. The little dog. <laughs> when we go on this trip, are we going to get Lynn cookies? Oh. Because that's a big deal. That is a big deal. My wife makes the best oatmeal and raisin cookies anywhere on the planet he's not exaggerating these and are amazing cookies everyone that's ever hunted with me the first thing they say to me uh, you're gonna bring them cookies aren't you? <laughs> yes oh, yeah. yes then i'll go otherwise i'm just staying yeah up. right <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be our first trip then we got terry out there in uh, colorado uh lining up an elk hunt for us yep and that'll be a couple weeks after yeah, September's going to be a busy month. Yeah. Can I ask you guys some questions because yeah. I know nothing? Show enough. Okay. So if um, so, since you have this relationship already, do you like? Did you go out and like accidentally meet them, and do you just stop at a ranch and you're like, "Hey, do you want to be friends?" Like, how how does that even like if someone didn't know somebody? How does I mean? Do you have to just meet yeah, people not, and have friends, or? So I was just going to say before TK goes here, um, you have two options in the west right you're either hunting public which anybody could be out there and your chances are slim at best or where tk is going to go here in a second you have a relationship or you build a relationship with privately owned property all through my life danny i've uh, knocked on doors and uh asked farmers or ranchers if we could hunt their property and uh, some of those farmers and ranchers are kind of lonesome and you know, you like I said a little bit ago, we'd just sit down and visit with them, and we'd sit in their kitchen, and uh, we'd have a pop or a beer or whatever, and they would tell us stories. I remember one farmer in Iowa told us how he played semi-pro baseball, and he could have talked for hours because he just had nobody to talk to. His wife was dead, and he just never really had visitors. So it was in some cases, it's such a big deal for the older generation just to have somebody to talk to and they say well yeah and then they'll tell you where to go and then quite often you know they had relatives or family hunting there and you couldn't hunt and that was all right and sometimes you still made friends with those people but it was, it's just amazing to me the generosity whether it be iowa south dakota north dakota uh anywhere wisconsin where i've hunted where the people are just very uh, open and say yes and if you're polite and you know if you just treat them with respect and uh, uh, you don't necessarily have to be stupid about it or build them up just because you want to go hunting you just treat them like a human being and uh, their kindness and generosity is typically unbelievable I've got two counties in Iowa I swear I'm exaggerating a little bit but I could probably hunt most of the private land in two counties in Iowa because we're gold sponsors at the Pheasants Forever Banquets, and we got to know all the farmers and ranchers, and and it's the same way out west. You know, there's just a lot of people, and, you know, they have big tracts of land. But as Shane came to find out, we're not, people from Minnesota were not that popular <laughs> in uh, North Dakota or South Dakota antelope because they would ride around in their trucks, spot one and jump out and shoot or 
they want you to get on, you know, put some miles on your boots. They don't like it when you're just driving around on their property trying to find animals. Yeah. So that's a big thing with me, too. I don't enjoy just driving around. It's all right to drive around in glass and see but get your boots on the ground and pay your dues and get out there and hike. And it's amazing. It looks flat, but once you get into that country, it's spectacular countries with the draws and the relics that you find on the Beats. ground and all the animals. You wouldn't think there would be any mammals, but there's more mule deer and white-tailed deer and badgers and coyotes and you name it. It's it's turkeys. never a dull moment. Turkeys. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool, and it's... Uh, I don't know if that's a dying art because public hunting can be tough, but there's some guys that are strictly public hunters that they know how to do it, and you can have good success because there's a lot of public ground. And uh, if you get into the Dakotas and hit public ground, like especially North Dakota for pheasants, you'd be amazed how many pheasants you're going to find on public ground. Uh, Can I get in a soapbox for a second? You bet. The public ground thing for me is very tough. Because it seems like there's a real divide in the hunting community. And I'm going to sound like a real asshole for a second, but I'm just going to be real because I feel like our audience wants us to be real on this podcast. You've got those people like us that put time into the craft of practice your shooting, get your gear right, plan out the hunt. You know, when you're out in the field, like you said, you do a little bit of glassing, but it's boots on the ground, and you're moving around, and you're checking wind, and you're setting up blinds or stands or whatever. Like, you're doing it right, okay? Then you got those real assholes that, like you said, just pull up in their truck, see a pack of antelope or see a few deer or whatever, and they just get out and jump over the fence and go tromping through with the cigarette hanging out of their mouth, and it's like... I want to well, punch those called... people in the damn face because they ruin the hunt for everyone else. It's like they're yeah. so selfish. We had an in, uh, yeah. interaction with that two years ago with a, with a guy out there like that. Yeah, we were stalking an antelope. And it was a herd. A nice herd, and we had, good, we had some good breaks. And, and we had good wind. And we had good wind, and this truck pulls off. Now, the antelope are a good 200 yards from the road, 300 yards. Yep. And this guy in plain view. We're working our way around the outside. Yeah, and we've got hills. It's quite often you don't have hills, and we're working in on them. we got the wind right, and these guys, this guy just comes right over the fence, and the whole herd busts, and they're like, what are you thinking? They can see for miles and miles. But let me back you up a little bit. Yeah. Those hunters are called slob hunters and <laughs> unethical hunters, and yeah. they're not the rule. And they have nothing to do with uh, please punch me in the private, face, hunters. <laughs> private land versus public land. They can be anywhere. Okay, and fair enough. The unethical hunters are unethical, like yes. that guy was. I mean, I don't know Pissed if he's unethical off. or just dumb. Well, Danny, it, it took uh, just so you know, Danny, it took Tom and I the better part of an hour to work our way around this outside, traversing all this landscape and the hills and all that stuff, trying to work our way over to where we saw this herd. To get the drop on them, essentially, doing we it right. In a good situation. Yeah, we're working our way in, and then this asshole. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, he's an asshole. Well, he, he ruined might it. Just been dumb. <laughs> he the, like he pulls up on the roadway and he sees this herd off in the distance because you could see him the herd yeah, from the roadway a few hundred yards. And that's like he, he didn't even get over the fence before the herd blew yeah, out of there. He pulls his truck right up to where he saw them from the fence line, and he just climbs over the fence and just starts walking right at him. I'm like, what in the world? He ruined your ninja. You he, were you were sneaking. It was literally a waste of Tom and I oh. working our way across this whole thing for an hour to get into position to, you know, to really do it right. 
So let me ask you, what about a new hunter? Because obviously, like Shane, you got, you know, Tom took you under his wing, for lack of better words. That guy that jumped over that fence could have been a new hunter, not just necessarily an asshole. I'm moving on from the asshole. I'm just asking (laughs) (laughs) for, like, new people to not be a, a slob or a snob or whatever you said. Like, how do they... I mean, how do they even get to the point where you well, guys are? if you're a new hunter and you don't have somebody with experience with you, that's what you do. You trial and error. Hold on. Wait a second you now. you figure it out and this and that. I'm going to correct you here, TK. <laughs> um, I, I apologize, but i got to step on your wiener for a second because in today's day and age in 2021, as this podcast is being filmed 2021, you have a plethora of digital options for how you learn yeah. how to hunt Whatever it is you want to hunt, whether it's antelope or it's deer or it's bear or it's, you know, you want to trap. Because we had a buddy of mine named Josh that's going to come in and talk about trapping one of these days. You have a plethora of digital options for gaining the knowledge that you would have in the yesteryear through a mentor. You can get that digitally to at least have some kind of of basic understanding of how to hunt. That's certainly true. Let alone hunt those animals. That's certainly true. I guess I was reflecting on how I grew up. Yeah. When we didn't have that stuff, a lot right. of it was trial and error. You know, you whether it was pheasant hunting, deer hunting, or whatever, there's mistakes that you made, but you didn't make them twice. When you think about not only the digital piece, but the equipment that they have now. Right. You know, I mean, we just, so we, I just tell wanna, people about the decoy we just I ordered. I just want to reiterate, you know, there's a guy that writes for Outdoor News, Tony J. Peterson, who exclusively hunts on public. He's got... You know, he's a well-known writer on, in Bowhunter Magazine and Outdoor News, and he exclusively hunts private, uh, public property for the public property experience, and he's an amazing hunter. He doesn't always get trophies, but he has a great experience. And guys like Robin, uh, who has the some of his whisperer. own land, but, you know, elk hunting, deer hunting in Iowa, exclusively hunts public land, and a lot of it, you have no choice. You have to hunt public land. Like, unless you and I get real rich, we're not going to be hunting any private land for elk anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I just want the listeners to know that we're not berating public land. No, we're not berating people that hunt public land. No, it's an extreme challenge. I mean, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to pheasant hunting in Minnesota or even Iowa, uh, it can be great in the Dakotas, but. It is what it is, and it's and put the time in before step. you hunt. We are so blessed to have millions and millions of public acres, whether it be in the mountains or out in the prairies or here in Minnesota or Wisconsin, that we can hunt because there's tons of hunters that can't get on private. They don't know landowners, or they can't afford to hunt on a private deal. So here in America, it's the only place where we have hundreds and thousands, a million, excuse me, millions of acres where people can hunt. So the public hunting is truly a blessing. It is. And, yeah, you can run into bad situations. I've seen it elk hunting. I've seen it animal hunting, mule deer hunting. You're working on an animal, and all of a sudden you see someone else working that animal. And it's like, well, they have as much right to be here as we do. And mm-hmm. if they get the shot first, so be it. Um, yep. It has created a... You don't begrudge a guy in that situation. Right. You know, it's... For me, it was the the this the guy that, that, I, that I have affectionately started calling asshole. <laughs> it's the lack of preparation and understanding of the hunt. Yeah. Because anyone that hunts antelope 
as I have now learned through years of not only your mentorship, but my own research that, like you said, they can see forever those things. They're not from this planet. Danny, are you with me for a second here? I'm here. All right. So an ant, have you ever looked through a pair of binoculars? One time. Okay. So when you look through a pair of binoculars, you can see forever, right? Right. That's how an antelope sees with their naked eye. That's yep. wild. So they can They've see. they got like four power or five power. Yeah, they Dang. can see for literally power. a mile or more, more than a mile. Oh, no. They can see like six miles. Yeah. So if you're <laughs> that far away and you start walking toward them, it's, they can see you like you're standing right next to them. Like they get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't park your truck on the road within sight, climb over a fence within sight. All wild game have some kind of a either one or two in particular heightened senses. Right. So antelope, their vision is that heightened sense where they just have this extraordinary ability to, to see. I can tell you about Ante- times where I've crawled up a hill because they knew there were antelope on the other side a mile or two miles on the other side. And I would poke my head through a clump of sagebrush and that, and I'd look with my binoculars and I'd hold damn her to go. <laughs> and I would like... I'd That's like, wild. And I'd... I'd start turning, what are they looking at? And all of a sudden, looking after a you. few times of happening, <laughs> they see me poking my head through a sagebrush, and I'm like, they can't, they're not from this planet. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like when, if you're going to hunt, when you identify the animal you're going to hunt, whether it's, as Tom Find has mentioned, wind, turkeys or, or pheasant or, or some of the big game that we've mentioned, whether it's antelope or elk or moose or deer or bear or whatever it is, you have got to put the time in before the hunt into planning your hunt. So the, the first thing is, and maybe you just give me a camera over here, is to, um, do you have one for There we go. Which one's me? Okay, there we go. Um, so you want, I don't know, figure out which one's me. So to make sure you spend time, whether it's through mentorship, like I just happen to be lucky enough to have Tom, um, who's got, you know, a thousand years of hunting experience. If you don't have that at your disposal, then you get online and you start spending some time looking at areas that you're going to hunt in for the species that you're going to hunt. You pay uh, particular attention to things like the weapon that you're going to use, whether it's bow or it's a rifle or it's you know crossbow or whatever it is. You pay particular attention to the, the most effective way to hunt that particular species, and that's where we're getting into what we're talking about right now, where an antelope has an extraordinary ability to, to see and so you have to use the landscape at your disposal to get close enough to them to where you can effectively have uh, an ethical shot, whether it's bow or it's some firearm. Um, you have to spend time thinking about the gear that you bring out there for the hunt. Knee pads. Yep. Knee, well, when you're hunting antelope, you're on, you spend a lot of time when you're on your knees and elbows. Cactus. Cactus. Uh, the terrain that you're going to be on in, in the different, uh, you know, you're going to see more cactus in an area like South Dakota where we hunt than you might see in Colorado where we're going to be hunting elk. And so you have to take all that into account. So spend the time before the hunt research, researching all that stuff. Get all your ducks in a row so that when you get there, you not only do way less of, like, the offending the hunters out there that spend that time doing that research, but also give yourself the best chance of success. Set yourself, set yourself up for success by spending more time, and all the successful hunters will tell you that, they spend warm, way more time before the hunt doing right. prep than they do in the and actual get on hunt. the phone. If you find a rancher or a landowner, get on the phone. If you don't, uh, if you're hunting public land, call the DNR wherever you're going. Not call DNR in all states, you know. The game manager in the area. Uh, 
and talk to a game warden. Yep. It's their it's their job to help people out, not just uh, give them tickets and stuff. I've talked to hundreds of game wardens. You talk to them before you get out there, and they can tell you what's going on with the, with the herd, how the weather's been, if there's water holes. Uh, even elk, you know, they'll tell you where they've seen elk spottings. And uh, I shot my first, I think it was my first, first or second bull on a tip from a game warden in uh, Idaho and uh, with with the elk whisperer, Robin. <laughs> we should say, though, if you're going to call a game warden, that you need to have some research done ahead of yeah. time. You don't want to just call them and say, hey, where are the elk? Because they're probably not going to be very helpful. They get how many hundreds of calls in yeah, the season? I wonder how many calls they get. A lot, probably. A lot, I'm sure. Yeah, so you want to make sure that you do a little legwork to say, here's the unit I'm hunting in. I'm thinking of going into this particular area of the unit. Here's what I'm hunting with. I'm hunting bow or I'm hunting rifle or muzzleloader yeah. or whatever. And, you know, wh- where have you seen the migration? Is it is it coming this way? Is it coming that way? Have you seen much in the way of elk in that particular unit? Boy, not only can you get on the computer, my goodness, uh, the Sportsman's Channel, uh, all the outdoor news, uh, outdoor news. I mean, all the television shows that you can watch on hunting right such variety there's yeah you're you're right shane there's really no excuse anymore no for anyone going in totally naive because you can just watch so many shows and see anything on youtube and just research it and get out there and it'll change your life i'm kind of really looking forward to this year because we just purchased a uh, piece of property in wisconsin yes really close to where i hunted for over 40 years before you go to that though tell people about the decoy that we bought for the antelope trip i was just going to ask tell me about this decoy yeah because danny, danny can pull it up on google it up. it's uh i don't know what it's called but it's you know you can get a, a deer or an elk or in our case we got the animal they attach right to your bow and i've seen a couple of shows where they i was like is it the hat <laughs> no it's, i've got we've got it's the hat. Uh, oh i think i closed it out on my phone here is and the if bow? i would have had that hat last year i'd have had myself a nice buck you can pull up the hat too, but it was the. Oh, I remember the hat. It was the bow. It's an attachment. It's kind of like a Montana blind or decoy, Montana decoy. I don't think it's Montana decoy, but it it affixes to the bow, and it looks like an antelope standing there or a deer standing there looking at you. It's bow mounted antelope decoy on yep. Google. A bow mounted antelope decoy, and I know a lot of you that are listening probably are. F- familiar with this is it like this no, no that's a montana decoy okay, okay go back to your google and we'll cloth. point it out for you okay hold on and uh we use those we have those yeah tommy got one of those yep a buck these are wild these are wild who guys. got one of those you have one yeah we put it on the fence line when i shot my antelope well that's right montana decoy trying to remember where that is <laughs> yeah so there's uh one of the previous episodes we showed the hat yeah. Um, which is super cool. Uh, no, not that's not those. it. Antelope. Oh, no, no, no. You got that all worded wrong. Okay. Help me. It's bow-mounted bow antelope decoy. Antelope. antelope decoy. There you go. Uh, scroll down. Scrolling. There it is. This guy? Right that. That's it. Stop it. So it mounts to the front of your bow and you shoot through it. I think the best one to look at would be the three on the left. I think those would pop out. Oh, there it is. Ultimate Predator. That's that's actually the site we ordered from, TK. Yeah, Yeah, so it mounts to your bow, and then you shoot through it. Oh, scram. So when you're walking out to the animal, all they see is... That's an elk. 
That is such a that's cool a, that's deal. That's a cow elk. Do you have um, an elk call? Oh, yeah. Yes. So you could elk call and be like, hello, baby. And they're like, oh, look at that. And yeah. like, call. That's, that's savage. Cow call, calf <laughs> call, bugles. <laughs> hello, baby. Hey, baby. Uh, we got to get one of those uh, also for elk. That's funny. I'm going to be curious to see how quickly you can take that off of one bowl and put it on another. Well, the, the, so they have three different attachment systems for that particular decoy. And the one that I picked was the what they call Quick Connect. Oh, okay. So it should come on and off pretty easy. I looked at the – there was three different options, and they showed the photos of the three different ones. If we weren't so cheap, we'd just buy two of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll have to wait till we get some sponsors. Yeah, well, that's yeah, – right, exactly. So that, that's the thing is that um, – and we've talked about this in other episodes, TK, is that when you get in the hunting game, get in the hunting business, um, gear is expensive. And a decoy is no, no exception. I have gear that has lasted me for years. Yeah. And it has gotten very expensive. And I want to thank uh, Master Sergeant Scott. I can't remember his last name at the Wee Fest. He gave me a brand new pair of military camouflage pants. Yeah. And I'm like, I, one year I got a pair of pants from the Marine Corps up there. And I still wear those to this. I've, I've worn them so paper thin. <laughs> but he gave me a brand new pair. Of, and they're the best camouflage. And they actually are. I don't know how to phrase this, ingrained with parathon. You know, the insect repellent, I think it's called parathon. It's for, it, it, it uh, detours ticks and mosquitoes and stuff. Uh, I remember we ran into him, he was Army. Right. And we ran into him in the uh, office. Right, right, uh, right. As we were getting ready to get our credentials and stuff when we got, first got there. So that kind of made my whole weekend there. TK I said, I need some pants. pants. <laughs> I need pants. Come on now. Anyway, sorry if I sound cheap, but I don't know. That's I kinda, not cheap. I, no. I, I kind of struggle with appreciation pair, for the... but paying uh, more than $100 for a pair of long johns. I don't know. Danny, can you find that antelope decoy hat that we were talking about before? Because I think maybe the audience would like to see that, too. Yeah. That was a super cool deal. There it is. You know, some some of these uh, hardcore antelope hunters might be laughing. Click that um, third row down, third or fourth photo from the left. Second photo from the right, third third row down. Third row down. That one, yeah. Isn't that cool? I mean, That's quite funny. often when you're archery hunting, it works. You, you've got to rise, and you're looking for the tips. Of, like when that you were watching me stalk that one antelope. Yeah. Big, nice buck. And I could see his horns. And if I could see his horns, then I knew he could see the top of my hat. So he kept looking for my hat. I could see his horns going like this, looking down at that blind where we were at, and then looking yeah. up at me. If I would have had that hat on, he would have seen another antelope. And I'd have been, it's just inches, you know, just inches. Just seen over there. I got pulled back, but he could see the top of my bowl. And then he started bolting. It was a beautiful buck. And I led him, and I don't know where my arrow went. And I, maybe you might think that was not a good idea, but antelope do go down pretty easy. And, you know, when you go out there and you only get one shot, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And I practice. I practice at moving targets. You, and you're, you've got the tightest group of anybody I've ever shot with, TK. Thank you. You are right on the money. I know guys that are a lot tighter than I am. Now you're tw you're twelve ring out to probably fifty yards, and uh, that's a credit to the amount of practice that you put in. And so nobody should ever be questioning your shot. <laughs> All right, I got okay. another question. One more, one more question. Fire away. Um, 
How many people in your hunting group? So, like, is it just the two 700. of you? 7,000 no, million. No, for real. Like, how many people can you have? Like, is there... Oh, wait, like, wait. How many people are actually in our group, or how many want to be in our group? Actually. Allowed. Well, when we used to go out there, we used, there, was, there was, like, four of us, and we'd separate two and two. One guy would decoy, one guy would shoot. With Shane and I, it's just us two. And for antelope hunting, I, I think if you get more... Unless you got lots of country, then more the merrier um, of guys. But I think four, six is a pretty. I wouldn't go more than four. I don't think I never have. But like Robin, you know, when we go out to Idaho elk hunting or uh, Colorado. Colorado bow hunting, you know, Robin's like me. The more the merrier, and whoever gets a elk, you know, then we've all got meat, and. It's uh, it's a fun group to be with. And oh, you split your meat? Yes, that's oh, yeah. a, a rule within. Not all groups do that. Okay. But the people that Tom has introduced me to, and the people that I've hunted with outside of my hunting with Tom, it's a uh, it's a honor system where anybody that shoots the animal, yep. we split the meat evenly. Nice. Yeah, like if there's, and there's been like six of us that'll go uh, elk hunting in Colorado. One year we came back with three elk, and so. Th- we all got a half an elk. Yeah. You know, and uh, more recent, I was fortunate enough to get a bull. Uh, there was four of us, so all of us got a fourth of an elk. Although we got robbed a little in the, the amount of meat they sent us. With. <laughs> That's a different story. Yeah, we won't get into that. Well, they, they made up for it, but that was a different story. A processor got a little confused, I think. Yeah, so the, the idea is um, you sort of have a gentleman's agreement that that you're going to split the meat. And some states have what they call party hunting rule. Yeah. Where let's say there's eight, eight guys that are out hunting elk in Colorado. You only get three, four tags because the license, which is also called the tag is so expensive for elk. So in Colorado, it's the cheapest to hunt elk of anywhere in the Western side of the U S and it's still pushing 700 bucks and that's just pay to play. So if you like, I pay it, my 680 bucks or whatever for an elk tag and if i don't shoot an elk i don't get that money back it just costs that much to get the license and then if i shoot one great and if i don't i don't get the money back so that way if you've got eight guys and three or four of them get tags everybody's out there hunting you take turns between one guy's going to be calling the other the other guy's going to be shooting you have to back up you lost me a little bit there if you've got eight guys out there hunting and three or four have to have tags well no it's a the party hunt system no, you can party hunt, meaning you can shoot a bull, and then you can shoot a second bull, and another guy can tag it. But everybody in the party has to have a license. Not in all states. I've never heard of that. No. I think you're misinterpreting the party system rules. Like in Minnesota, you can party hunt. And it's typical in Minnesota, Wisconsin, you get a group of people, like eight guys or 12 guys, and they're all hunting together. If this guy shoots a deer, he tags it, that's fine. And then if they're doing drives and he shoots another one and someone else has to tag it, that's party hunting. But wherever you go, you have to have your own license. You can't just jump in on a group and say, hey, we're party hunting. And I'm sorry if I'm correcting you, but I'm not familiar with what you're talking about because I've never been anywhere in America where you can go where you can hunt where you don't have the appropriate license. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is not so legal, but from what I've looked researched online, you can 
well, maybe maybe I'm mis- misinterpreting the, that party hunt piece of it because I know that when you're hunting with other guys, like you could shoot even though your tag is filled, you right. could still shoot. You can if that person has a tag that's willing to tag it. Yes, there are some groups like if four guys go out there and say, "No, don't shoot my bull." If you got one, like if I get one on the first day, and then we're still hunting, I can still hunt with those people. Provided there's a party system yeah. and somebody's willing to surrender a tag. Otherwise, I'm back at the camp making dinner. And that's how you sort out who's going to keep the hide, too. Because right. if you're going to do a mount, as an example, then the guy with the tag that paid for the tag is the one that's going to keep the mount if there's a mount. Right. Otherwise, you end up splitting the cost of the tag to make it fair so that everybody can share the meat. Because if you buy the tag, it doesn't make sense for everybody to just get meat. you got to share the cost of that tag. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Unless the other guys also bought tags. Well, the good news is is that we're getting back to hunting season. Because you got this dramatic layover of the spring and coming into summer where there isn't any legal hunting. And now we start getting into August, where we are now. And antelope's coming up. And whitetail's coming up. And muley's coming up. And bear season's coming up. And we'll get into elk season before we know it. And uh, so we're we're getting into all that stuff. Well, there are some hunting seasons open, but the not very popular ones. There's always a hunting season somewhere going on, like like fishing, tur- spring, <laughs> spring turkey hunting, and going down to Texas. A lot of uh, guys <clears throat> head down to Texas, and especially uh, in late winter when everything kind of closes, head down to Texas with the weather is still nice and shoot pigs or exotics. What kind of hunting is there in June and July? Um, well, there's always like, I don't know what the dates are on crows, but there's always a, a bird or something, uh, or even coyotes or or vermin. or <laughs> What am I trying to say? Uh, Long-range shooting, uh, like for uh, groundhogs out west. And, uh, sure. There's, a, there's always something. And maybe they're not the popular ones, but there's always something going on where you can shoot your bow. Yeah. You can go down to Texas or Florida or somewhere and yep. shoot pigs or uh, exotics. There's always something going on all throughout the year. All right. Well, we hope that you've uh, enjoyed our hunting element of this week's podcast. I know TK and I have talked quite a bit about uh, a variety of different hunting stuff with this week's episode. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously the, the first part of our episode, the first half or two-thirds of the episode, talking about We Fest and talking about the Rowdy Cowboy Show reunion party. And uh, pretty excited about all of that. I'm just kind of looking at the board over there. we got a guy named Bruce Sadella, and if you're in the hunting industry, you know who he is. He's like the nation's number one rep for hunting and fishing products. Not fishing, hunting products. We've got Willie, Wild Willie from... Uh, Full draw. From, uh, full draw archery, who's quite a personality. <laughs> and I've got Tom Glines coming up. He's the, He was the regional director for the Midwest Turkey Federation, and now he's promoted, so I don't know what his title is anymore. But he was the Minnesota representative, then regional, and now he's even got a higher uh, promotion than that. I can see a lot of guys on there that are going to be fun to have uh, on the show. Yeah, we have a, a a very nice list of guests coming up in the future. When we first sat down and put this thing together, it was like more than a year's worth of people, and we haven't even touched the list I have in my email right now of I'm other people. You, we've had some fun. 
I hope you guys have been watching, and you can always go on YouTube or whatever, go back because we've had some fun guests on here. We have, we really yeah. You, have. Need, you need to go back and watch the earlier episodes because we got some great people when the podcast was first getting started and maybe didn't have as much exposure as it does now that are not getting enough views on their episodes. So go back and go back and watch some of those. Um, earlier episodes because you will really enjoy those first handful of guests for yeah, sure and don't judge us yeah <laughs> judge all you want <laughs> folks thanks for tuning in this week to boots and backstraps and uh, don't forget you can send your comments questions and snide remarks over to boots and backstraps podcast at gmail.com and uh, don't forget to give us a like go ahead and pinwheel that like for us as we like to say in the hunting world and uh, make sure you leave a comment in the comment section of whatever platform you're watching on. We're on everything from Facebook to Spotify to YouTube, all the audio platforms. And then recently we've added on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter to our social media sphere. So make sure that you check all that stuff out. Follow us, like us, leave comments. Make sure you're sharing our content. We really appreciate it. TK. Yeah. It was a great show, a lot of fun, Shane. It's been busy, busy from the Rowdy Cowboy Show to the Wee Fest, and we look forward to seeing you folks next week. Before we go, I always like to say whether you're belting out your favorite country song or you're out there pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to pursue the Lord with that same passion. He will teach you to shoot straight. Thanks for viewing. We'll see you next week. On his own, looking for backstraps Way deep in the woods Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield Under the harvest moon When the tags are filled It's time to switch up our boots Head down to the honky-tonk Get us a swing dance or two We're talking about boots And backstraps <laughs>